Hey everybody, welcome again to F This Movie, the official podcast of FThisMovie.com. Movie love for movie lovers. My name is Patrick Bradley and I'm super excited for this week's show because we are returning to a format we started last year mm -hmm. in which we do uh, a podcast on one of our Friday Night Double Features, which means I'm joined for this very special Friday Night Double Features Part 2 episode by the man behind Friday Night Double Features, Mr. Adam Risky. Thank you. Um, yeah, but this time you should take about because we're doing two double features that you programmed i did yeah oh i didn't realize that no no but like they were the ones where i don't know sometimes like when we're doing the column there's like one double feature in there and this is embarrassing because we're just like ego stroking each other <laughs> over like great choice um but like we're just like wow that would be like a fantastic yeah. night at the movies yeah, or yeah. it's like two movies i've always meant to see and then i never got around to yeah, and like when we wrote the last one, there were two in there. We always kind of like will chat, or it's just like I think this one's the best, or this is the one I would go to first. Yeah. And this time it was like two certified triple platinum bangers, yeah, they, and it was yeah. like, yeah, let's do it. These are good. Yeah, I was happy with these. Yeah. Um. So that's very exciting. We'll be talking about four movies down from ten from our last show two yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, and then we're going to two for the holiday <laughs> show. And then maybe back down to one or up to 14. Yeah. Or maybe like, <laughs> we'll do like a half a movie next. I like that. Where it's like a part one. <laughs> Let's watch something. half a movie and then fill in what we think happens. Yeah. Okay. Let's do good. it for Avatar 2. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, I think that's going to be our Patreon show this month, right? Avatar The Way of Water. I'm excited about it. We're uh, going to eat Pandora Flakes. Yes. It's going to be good. I saw that they have like Kinder Joy avatars where like it's half candy and half a little avatar toy wow yeah now so the disney's behind the marketing for avatar <laughs> it's a whole different world yeah exactly they're just like what do kids like <laughs> little jake cereal S and little jake sully's and chocolate jake sully's children yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> i'm so excited <laughs> me too because there's nothing and also i'm even more excited because there's like nothing else on like this holiday slate that i'm like super excited about like i'll see babylon but i'm already hearing it's kind of like this winged angel already where it's like it's gonna gross four million dollars right. and cost 90 and stuff oh so boy it's like yeah i don't know damien chazelle yeah yeah well i mean like what are you that i'm excited to see the movie i'm glad it exists sure i like to see a, a director of his talent get the resources that he has but it's just like what did you expect when you're making a movie like a three plus hour movie about like the hedonistic silent era it's like, <laughs> era. It's like you're probably not gonna draw people in really. so i still haven't watched the trailer but okay. i've seen a few gifs from it and it looks like him doing like cocaine era era scorsese yeah i always felt like from the trailers it was like the wolf of wall street with silent movie actors basically it looks like real like hedonistic and okay like that. yeah I'm in. Yeah. I'll see it. Mm -hmm. Right on. Yeah. Uh, Adam, have you seen anything good lately? Yeah, I've seen some new stuff and some older stuff. Do you want to hear the new stuff or the older stuff first? The new stuff. Wow. No reason, just... No, <laughs> that's, I don't that's what I, said, wow. <laughs> I was just like indecisive and I was like, <laughs> I can't believe he gave me one of the two choices I gave him. Um, I saw... So... There's a couple that I think will be in my top ten that I saw recently. I saw The Fablemans. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was really good. Um, it's kind of impressive how much the movie is Steven Spielberg being like, look how good I am at like, directing. <laughs> but it's not like... 
in a way that you feel grossed out by him saying it. Okay. Um, and I think like they they do a good job of like showing. It's like wow, this is a really good movie for like a kid directing movies in his backyard or like with his friends and stuff like that. So, it, but it's not like so good where you're just like this isn't believable that a kid Got would it. direct this. So, um, and there's like things where like it's like uh, there, there's like a moment where it's just like he's talking to like one of his friends who's playing like a soldier and it's just like oh this is cool because it's like this is him talking to an actor for the first time like because he wants like a specific thing out of him and stuff like that and it's not just like run around and <laughs> um so i really liked it and i think like all the stuff about like him kind of recollecting and dealing with um and coping with like the, his weird family history right. that they kind of went into in that hbo spielberg yeah, documentary yeah, yeah. yeah is really good it's dramatized really well it's a fun movie um it, it he's got like this thing that i really like recently where um i think it's maybe the tony kushner collaboration of it all but like whether it's um i think they call it, they did bridge of spies together but i know they did lincoln together and west side story right? and west side story yeah. um uh, and Fablements, they, they feel lighter than, um, they're more sprightly, I guess, than they could be, which is okay. nice. They, yeah. they, they don't feel, they, they don't feel like work while you're watching them. Right. So I, I really like it. So I'm appreciative of kind of this late era, era, era. period of Spielberg's movie. So I, I, I really liked it. I'm excited to see it. I haven't yet. We've had a screener for a couple days and okay. I, we haven't watched it yet because we need to set aside two and a half hours yeah. where... We can do nothing else. We're not going to fall asleep, and that hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. I um, accidentally dialed nine one one when the end credits started. Accidentally, in quotes. <laughs> I'm just like, it's an emergency. We need to get the box office out. <laughs> I'd like to report a murder. <laughs> Spielberg just killed it again. <laughs> yeah, I was like going to see like that and Glass Onion back to back and then I'm just like I better sit in the lobby just in case they call back and then they never did and I'm like where to go 911 <laughs> anyways so did you see that Twitter thread that called Saving Private Ryan evil I think you showed me that okay I might have uh oh people are fell a lot of people fell on their heads when they were kids <laughs> and, oh, uh, whatever you don't have to like it but it's not evil but i don't think it's evil no yeah no anyways okay um, i can't suffer fools today. <laughs> um and then uh yeah i guess i'll mention it now because i this is not going to be in my top 10 so I, saw, <laughs> I saw glass onion a knives out mystery Ugh. um that's a mouthful i hated it like, <laughs> i was not expecting that like i and i i had knives out in my top 10 <clears throat> like the in 2019 and um I just think this movie is, it's such a sequel in a bad way where it's just like, it's bloated and it's like, there's nothing to prove anymore. And it's just kind of like haughty and like up its own ass. And one thing I liked about the last one was it was sort of this takedown of old money. Yeah. And this one, it's like influencers and Eli, Elon Musk facsimiles and stuff. And They've it's just got like, it coming. And it's like, sure, okay. <laughs> but it's like, I want to go to the movie like this to get away from sure. the Twitter scrolling of right, these things. Right. Like, I live this. Like, I don't want to, like, have to deal with it. And that, that kind of goes along with um, 
I don't know, a grander point, I guess, I have for, like, the movies that we talk about in the double features today okay. is one thing that I think is missing from today's movies is it's either, like, so far out there where nothing resembles reality, everything is fantasy, people aren't dealing with human emotions in the way that you or I could recognize, sure. or it's so on the nose where it's, right, like, right, right. let's talk about something, let's, it's, like, let's <clears throat> analyze something that we've already lived through. Right and like have processed for years or it's just like (laughs) what do you have to say about it and there's no like it doesn't feel like like fucking home alone would feel like revolutionary (laughs) it's like wow people living their lives (laughs) it's like wow somebody who has a job and has to go shopping it's like what but what is his job what does that guy do for a living asks twitter yeah so i mean that, that's one thing and like i think knives out is just whether by accident or because uh, it's so you know of the now or right, whatever right. like that but um it's just i thought just kind of insufferable and i was like if you ever want to like if you're ever at a movie with me and you're wondering how i feel about it if i have like the jimmy leg and i'm yeah, like moving around yeah like i'm like trying to run out of the theater <laughs> and like i know i just can't so i really didn't like it how many more of these benoit blanc movies do we have i think there's at least one more okay like it was only ryan johnson got like a fat check for like Wasn't it like 400 million dollars it was something like that yeah. which is there's some it, it's not his fault, but there's some irony inherent in that where it's just like, let's take down the super rich while right, being right. made by the super rich guy. Right. Um, I like him as a filmmaker. I just think this was one that just didn't connect with me at all. Sure. I, I like Benoit Blanc and I like Denmark. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's been a long week. I like Daniel Craig as this character a lot. It's weird that they sort of sideline him during a lot of it, where he kind of is deferential to another character who I won't name, but because mm. um, I don't want to spoil it for sure. anybody. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just did it for everything that worked for me in the first one. This just didn't work for me at all. I I. This is such a weird nitpick, but why don't they call it, like, Glass Onion, a Benoit Blanc mystery instead of a Knives Out mystery? That makes no sense. Yeah, because there aren't any knives, like, because no. it was literally, like, yeah, the, the, right, the, right, right. it was a wheel of knives right. and stuff like that. I don't know, maybe it's just a branding thing. I'm people sure it is, like, yeah. Knives Out, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I saw The Menu, which was fantastic, and it kind of is, like, a better version of i think some of what knives out or uh, glass onions trying to do okay. which is like they are definitely like eat the rich movies but the menu to my relief because when i was seeing the trailers i thought i'm like oh this is going to be like it could be really good or it could be like kind of too hip for its own good okay. or like too clever by half and things like that or too insular, where it's like gonna appeal to like the subscribers of the New Yorker, but like not to like anybody else. Um, but it's like, no, let's make a really good horror movie. Okay. And like the other stuff is kind of the setup, but you know we're gonna honor it being a good horror movie first. And like I, I see that with like you know action comedies and stuff like that. It's sure, just like yeah. the best ones. It's just like no, you take the action seriously. Right, it's not like. Right terrible action like <laughs> right. ride along or something Oof. um so i i really liked the menu as a horror movie the performances are great it's consistently surprising okay. and like i think that it really nails that feeling i don't know if you've ever had this i had this one time where like you're somewhere and something is like really upsetting is happening 
but everybody's telling you it's like no it's okay like don't worry like oh, you're weird. overreacting no okay. you're fine and it does that really well for like a lot of the movie and um where it's just like no this is just part of the dinner this is part of the theme this is part of the show and stuff like that it's just like i don't know like this feels like really <laughs> off and like it does that really really well and it gets like um in the pit of your stomach a little bit like that something is off so i i, I think it's a really well-made movie that feeling you're describing is me talking to my doctor for the last six years where i'm just like <laughs> do you see what's happening in the world around us yeah. everything seems like it's on fire no it's fine this is just how things are in america like yeah. Okay then. I won't be upset. <laughs> That's why you need to watch Hallmark movies. Yeah, I probably should. Yeah. Christmas with the douche. <sighs> Love Lights Hanukkah just got better every <laughs> fucking year. Stephen Hopkins, who yeah. will come up later, yeah. dated Mia Kirshner at one point too. I did not know that. Heather Graham, Naomi Watts, and Mia Kirshner. He's the king of all media. Yeah, he really is. Wow. <laughs> um, Talk about a Hopkins bump. Yeah. I mean, seriously, I don't know who the lucky one is in their relationship. No. That will come up later, too. Okay. There's many couples I've seen lately where I'm just like, I don't I have no idea. Like, Justin Long, Brittany Snow, like, who knows? Are they a real couple? No, just in Christmas oh, with the Candles. It. I rented yeah. it. I haven't watched it yet, but I'll get to it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then for older stuff, I watched, um, I'm doing my 2002 wrap-up, so, like, yes. I have a few left. So I watched, um, I didn't even have this on my list, but for some reason I was just, I think on Blake Check they were joking about it a little bit, because it's a movie that's like 80 minutes, but it's like 15 minutes of end credits, because they're just like, oh, I know what movie this is. It's like, we need to stretch this as much to feature length as we can. So I watched The Master of Disguise starring Dana Carvey, and um, I thought it was fun. I liked it a lot. (laughs) I knew how bad it was going in, but like very early, kind of like, you know, Grandma's Boy or the Benchwarmers, right. and you don't mess with the Zohan, like something near the beginning, or Hubie Halloween even, like something near the beginning made me laugh really hard. And then I'm just like, oh, fuck. I'm, like, just completely <laughs> on board for this. So it's just, like, just, like, what it's, like, Mustachio Disguise is the name. Or, like, Brent Steiner can't stop farting. And that's the running joke. Like, wow. he buttons every scene by, like, farting and then being embarrassed and then walking out of the room. Um, or, like, uh, what you call it? The, um, yeah, the, am I not turtly enough for the turtle thing? <laughs> like the lowest hanging fruit of comedy but i was like i don't know why i just really enjoy this um and it kept me away from checking my fantasy football team how they were doing <laughs> so i liked it um and then i watched uh, fatal attraction for the first time nice uh and i thought it was really effective as a thriller it made me feel really icky and like kind of a gone girl type of way where i'm just like yes. this is real misogynistic and sure um there's some stuff in it that i it didn't really click for me because like i know that you know there's crazy people in all walks of life but like i'm just like can she really have a career if she's this nuts and stuff like that like little little details like that but um just kind of in a you know stereotypical thriller type of way i think it hits the beats like really effectively I don't understand why you would ever cheat on 1987 and Archer. That doesn't make any sense to me. I um, think Glenn Close in that movie makes a compelling case, and I'm not a Glenn Close guy. Yeah, I don't know. He wanted to get on her, on her Albert Nobs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, like it's really hard to beat sleazebag 
Michael Douglas. He's the best in the game. He's the best at in the being game. the worst. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just like, do you want tickets to go see Michael Jordan play basketball? It's right, like, exactly. It's like, yes, I do. Thank you very much. I would have this opportunity forever. Um, and uh, so I really liked that. And then I watched... Um, Did you know that movie was nominated for Best Picture? Yeah, I remember that. So fucking wild. Yeah, that was kind of when... They would, like, have one slot for, like, the super popular right, movie. Right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, but... Uh, this year's it will be Top Gun Maverick? I'm sure. Yeah, yeah at least, if not I would like to more. Say, even though I don't necessarily think, like... I don't even... I won't even say that. Like, it, it would... You know, having Tom Cruise be nominated for Best Actor mm-hmm. for playing Pete Maverick... Mm-hmm. Or Pete Mitchell. <laughs> Pete Maverick. Pete Maverick. <laughs> for playing Pete Maverick. <laughs> Um, seems weird, like, to think about, where sure. it's just like, come on, guys, you couldn't have had, like, one more <laughs> performance better than Pete Maverick this year, but I, I think that he's been cheated out of other Oscar nominations in the past, where I'm just like, if this is kind of like a make good, okay, um, I would be happy for that. What other nominations should he have received? Well, he sh- he should have won two already. Should I have think. won two. He should have won for Magnolia. He should have won for Magnolia, yeah. and he should have won for Born on the Fourth of July. Okay, who beat him for Born on the Fourth of July? Daniel Day Lewis for My Left Foot. Yes, that was eighty seven, eighty nine, eighty nine. Yeah. I was going to say same year as Fatal Attraction and Archer nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Eighty seven was Ann Archer nominated for Best Supporting Actress. I just was I have Glenn the Wikipedia. Close yeah, she was nominated for Best Actress, which and Douglas was not. No. But he was nominated for Wall Street that year. He won for Wall Street. He won that year. he won for Wall Street that year. Man, everything wow. was coming up fatal at That's Oscars. kind of amazing that like he I mean Gordon Gecko is a piece of shit, but like a very yeah. different type of piece of shit. Oh yeah. I almost feel like being so good in Fatal Attraction should have ruined his chances at winning for Wall Street. <laughs> well, I think Wall Street came out after Fatal Attraction. Okay. So maybe it was like a recency bias. Oh, type maybe. Of thing. Okay. I don't know. But um, he's good in both of them. He's great. Yeah. Uh, Less he, great in one of the movies we're going to talk we about. We will talk about that. I'm glad you said that because it's, it's striking. The, it's striking the comparison yeah. of the two lead actors in that movie yeah. and how. Well, I'll get into it. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I watched Murder in the First. <laughs> which I've been meaning to see since 1995. All right. Because it's like, I'm a sucker for courtroom dramas. I'm a sucker for Christian Slater movies, Warner Brothers movies of that era, era, Kevin Bacon performances, things like that. So it's got a lot of the surprise Kirshners. Yeah. Like little Kirshner uh, visits <laughs> for like a minute, like in the third act. Um, It's a movie that like, I was really not liking for a long time. By the end of it, I liked it enough. However, it's a movie completely sunk by probably directorial choices. Okay. And by that I mean like he can't like the director who I uh, his name's uh, Mark Rocco. Mm. Um, I don't know what else he directed, but he his son's passed on. R.I.P. Yeah. Rocco. Um, but he, he... Did he do Dream a Little Dream? Yes, yeah, he, he did. Totally yeah. did. <laughs> he can't keep the camera still. Mm. And the shot choices that he have are... Seem arbitrary and take you out of the drama of it. It's too showy. Like, Got it's it. a courtroom Got movie. Yeah. And, like, a, a movie about guys talking in a holding cell and things like that. And that... 
you you could shoot it almost like a play. I mean, like you right. don't need to, or like a TV show. Like you don't need to go flash, 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 flash. And it's almost like he thinks that he needs to overcompensate it, or he needs to um, kind of amp up the drama. Like maybe it's maybe it was like a house style at the time with like Warner Brothers because they were doing all those Grisham movies and it was like four, three or four years off of JFK and stuff where everything was kind of a little bit more flashy yeah. with cinematography. But I think it kind of sinks it. And then also, I love Slater, but, like, he feels way too modern. Okay. Um, whereas everybody else feels like they could be, you know, you know, in this time period in, right. the early, in the early 20th century. Like, he just feels like he kind of parachuted out of, like, 1994 <laughs> and, like, landed. And it's like, I'm your lawyer now. And it's just like... and. I don't know, but Kevin Bacon's really good in it, and like as always, as always, he's like the most reliable, like yeah. just kind of you know unfussy actor you could ever ask for. Um, zero Oscars, zero Oscars. I don't even think he's been nominated. Uh, he wasn't even nominated for like Mystic River. No, it was like Penn and Robbins. he gives the performance of that movie. I agree with you. Marsha Gay Harden was nominated for that movie too, wasn't she? Yeah, she's good in it. She is good in it. I'm I'm I think I'm is more that of a my fan daughter of, in there. I think I'm more of of a fan of Mystic River than you are, but like those two performances that got the most attention are the biggest problems with the movie. Tim Robbins and Sean Penn. Yeah. 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 I would agree with that. Um but yeah, Murder in the First is like no Oscar nominations. Fine, I guess. Couple Golden Globe nominations. Mm -hmm. Uh including The River Wild. Yes. <laughs> Good for you, buddy. For which Meryl Streep should have won another Oscar. And, that was before we started recording, I think. Yeah, and Joseph Mazzello should have gotten supporting actor because... <laughs> for I don't think grunge. I, well, I don't think Bacon could have gotten to where he got to in that movie <laughs> without, unless he had the able support of Joseph Mazzello. Mazzy star. I, uh, there's, they opened up by my apartment a grunge pizza place. Okay. Um, so I went there okay. on opening day, and it tastes like Garibaldi's pizza. So I'm just like, all right. okay, all right, yeah. you're not, you don't have me on the pizza. Like the pizza's fine, right, but like right. your your heralded is like, ooh, like let's go to this hip New York style okay. pizza place. It's like, no, you kind of lost me on that. <laughs> um, but like the environment, the atmosphere is good. They're nice. playing like live better than Ezra Pearl Dram, like stuff like that. I'm like all good. Yeah. I'm, I'm a, I'm a fan. Okay. But the entire time I'm just like, where's Rourke from the river? <laughs> <laughs> he would love it here. Mm -hmm. He should be like just going crazy on like the Simpsons arcade game and stuff. He's just like, look mom. And then she's just like, calm down. Rourke. When's our pizza? Mom? Calm down. Rourke. Davis right there is just like, our garlic knots are at the table, Roar. Get over here. Our garlic knots are at the table. <laughs> See? <laughs> yeah. That's for later. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you bring your ugly ass over here and give me those garlic knots, D? <laughs> That's my good girl bringing my oh, garlic oh, knots no. over here. Oh, <laughs> sorry, no. Sorry, sorry. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that that movie went to that place. I night. never saw it. This is my first time yeah, seeing it. So. I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Mm -mm. Okay. I've never seen Murder in the first time. I remember my dad telling me I needed to see it. Okay. But he doesn't know very much. It's on HBO Max. I'll watch it. There you go. Ah, I mm -hmm. love when something's on HBO Max. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I feel like some directors think that that's their job is to like always move the camera and like yeah, it feels like a Columbia Pictures directing. Parents Scan movie without <laughs> being a Columbia Pictures Parents <clears throat> Scan video. I remember watching that O.J. Simpson miniseries on FX and like Ryan Murphy the People versus OJ. yeah, okay, and like it's interesting and the performances are really good, but mm-hmm. Ryan Murphy can't get out of his own way and directs it like it's the. Lufthansa heist and Goodfellas, and yeah. you're just like, oh, stop already. Yeah, but that movie gave us uh, Sterling K. Brown or that mini that mini series, yeah, and it gave us John Travolta saying like, "You interrupted me from the premiere of I Love Trouble," <laughs> which is one of my favorite parts of his career. <laughs> uh, what did I see? All right, so the other night on Netflix, we watched a brand new documentary called Senior which is about Robert Downey Sr., mm-hmm. kind of made by Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Smith of American movie fame. Mm-hmm. And it's really good. It's really, you know, I have a couple other movies that I'll probably talk about and should have talked about them before Sr. because they are the definition of content. Like, mm. oh, this is what gets put on streaming. Stuts? Uh, what's Stutz? Oh, I was wondering if it was Stutz. No. That's, that's the Jonah Hill interviewing his psychologist documentary. No. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what I that is. 15 I watched 15 minutes I want to see it. I watched 15 minutes of it, and I was like... It, they, they kind of, like, have it as... This is going to pull the curtain back on psychology mm, a little good. bit. Finally. Um, and, like, you know psychologists should be giving you like direction and not just like leaving it to you to come up with all the answers okay. and stuff like that. And like some of it is like good points, but then it's just like, I've got these drawings and I'm like, these drawings don't resonate <laughs> with me at all. So. Is Jonah Hill in the weeds or what's going on with Jonah Hill? I, I think he's just kind of trying to play Renaissance man right okay. now. Where okay. He's just like, I'm a director. I'm a documentarian. I didn't love his movie mid 90s yes how could you you have a brain <laughs> <laughs> there's a character named fuck shit in it i forgot about that yeah and I he's just, just like this was it. my life I'm like i don't believe you. is mid 90s <laughs> the name of that pizza place by you no no although um for something called mid 90s <laughs> i sure hated mid 90s uh, i love everything about the mid 90s <laughs> um so I watched, I guess I can circle back to these, but really what's the point? Uh, we watched The People We Hate at the Wedding on Amazon Prime okay. with Ben Platt and Allison Janney and Kristen Bell. Mm-hmm. And then we watched Spirited on Apple TV. Oh, okay. And they are content. It's yeah. just like Spir- Spirited is the weirdest thing because it has like big stars. Will Ferrell, probably not a huge star anymore. Mm-hmm. Ryan Reynolds is probably at his peak as a movie star right now yeah in terms of his star he's not power doing mint mobile commercials or like <laughs> right. fucking talking about the soccer team he owns yeah it, just in terms yeah. of his box office draw sure. i'm not saying he's yeah. like peak acting it is weird that he's in streaming movies yes yeah very weird yeah. but but that's uh, i don't know it's this big holiday musical it runs over two hours <laughs> which it doesn't need to i was wondering like if this went to theaters would it make any money probably not but on streaming it's this huge, high-profile, like, prestige get for Apple TV. Yeah. I think it would do well in theaters, do you? honestly. I think it would pull in, like, Daddy's Home 
money. Did Daddy's Home make a lot of money? Yeah. Okay. Where it's like a surprisingly amount, right. high amount of money. Okay. Because I think people just will watch anything holiday in yeah. theaters around yeah. this time of year. Yeah, they both were just, just reminded me of like, oh, this is where movies are now if they're not... Mm-hmm. $200 million blockbusters they're yeah. this content and so Junior comes along and I'm like oh a Netflix documentary you know mm-hmm. I don't know Robert Downey or Senior I should say not Junior mm-hmm. um, I don't know his career very well I don't think I've ever seen a Robert Downey Senior movie oh is he a producer or director director or oh, okay. yeah he right. made it's so funny because he made all these like super underground super indie counterculture movies in like the 60s and 70s mm-hmm. And his son is the most corporate actor working as the linchpin of Marvel owned by Disney, the most corporate company in America. Although he wasn't for a long time. No, he wasn't, but he just kind of lucked into that role. Yeah. And I'm not accusing Robert Downey Jr. himself of being corporate, but like he represents, he's the face of Marvel, you know? Yeah. Uh, And his dad is Robert Downey Sr. who makes like Putney Swope and all these crazy movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. so the documentary like is going down two paths because senior only agrees to do it if he can like make his own movie so Mm -hmm. he has a crew following him around new york and just like making this arty movie about getting older and the end of his life and then robert downey jr is making a more traditional like talking head documentary where they go visit him and interview people that Mm -hmm. knew him um, and then there's clips of his movies interspersed, so that's mm-hmm. kind of like a third level that it's working on. It ends up being like very moving, very sad because he's spoilers, I guess, dying of Parkinson's at the mm-hmm. time that the movie is being made. Um, and so it becomes about the end of his life and this relationship between the father and the son. I thought it was pretty incredible, and I recently said i think on our armageddon show that we did on the patreon that like yeah i don't know father and son father and son stuff never does anything to me i don't Mm. i guess i don't have dad issues despite the fact that my dad like doesn't talk to me Mm. and then i watched this movie and i was like oh no i definitely have issues (laughs) so well i wouldn't give yourself too hard of a time (laughs) armageddon didn't There is a bit of a difference yeah. between Senior and Armageddon. Yeah, it's like up until now, it's like it never hit you because you're not a baseball fan. It's like that's <laughs> the only way that this could have hit you at some point. It's like if only baseball. That's how we understand our dads. I guess so. Yeah. My dad was never into baseball, though. Well, so. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> baseball and asteroids. You're it just was, like, uh, just went right over your head. He was more a basketball guy, which is why I have never brought myself to see Celtic Pride. <laughs> I worry it would reduce me to a puddle of tears. That movie has a line in it that I remember since 1996, <laughs> where they kidnapped Damon Wayans. Okay. And... Um, this is a part where like Daniel Stern is away and Danny Aykroyd is put in charge of watching over Damon Waynes to make sure he doesn't get away. So um, they're huge. Daniel Stern and Dan Aykroyd are huge Celtic fans. They have pictures of Larry Bird and like Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, all these like classic Celtic players all the time, all over the place. And Damon Wayne says, why do you have all these pictures of Larry Bird, a guy who could not care less about you being alive? And like the Daniel Aykroyd, the Dan Aykroyd character is a plumber, and he's just like, "Do you think Larry Bird has a picture of you wrangling a turd in his house?" <laughs> and it's just like, 
some of it I'm just like, it, and I have like a weird relationships with sports sometimes where it's like, I make up these weird rules where I'm just like, yeah, I like professional basketball, but then my dad is just like, why don't you like college basketball? Why don't you like follow IU anymore? And I'm just like, I'm not watching some college kids. Like, I'm like, I'm not watching someone else's children. And he's just like, what are you talking about? You're student athletes. I'm just like, they're somebody's kids at that point. Like it's like I'm not going to their school plays or anything. Best college basketball movie. Best college basketball movie. I'd have to think about that. Oh, the answer is Blue Chips. No, (laughs) I would put Hoosiers over there. I just feel like I've never seen Hoosiers. I just feel like I would. I feel like I'd like a movie better than who. Oh, he got Gabe. That's my favorite college oh, yeah, basketball. Oh yeah, that movie. is actually the best one. I th- I would have to see a list, but I think it might be he got Gabe. Okay. Yeah. I think you're right. I, by the way, I, the only one I could think of when I asked the question was Blue Chips. Okay. <laughs> so, you did way better than me. Basketball is not a great sport for movies. Baseball is. Uh, white man can't jump. Begs to differ. Well, I'm not saying there aren't good basketball movies, <laughs> but, like, for every white men can't jump, you get, yeah. like, six Eddies. Like, there's oh. not a lot of good ones. Oh. Um, football, boxing, those make the best movies. Okay. According to this list, these are not college basketball movies. The air up there is not a college basketball it's movie. It's recruiting a player to play in college. Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Never bad. Yeah. Anyway, I won't look up at... I won't look up the college basketball movies right now, but uh, those of you shouting at your computers or your phone, <laughs> the correct answer, just leave it in the comments. Yeah. I promise we'll see them. Um, mm-hmm. Since I already talked about those two content movies, I'll just talk about two more very briefly, uh, and then Mike's daughter Mia can stop being annoyed that it's taken us so long to get <laughs> to the subject. I felt so bad when I heard that, because I'm just like, she's not going to like what you hear <laughs> I start talking about Frighteners. <laughs> Uh, I saw She Said, which Rob very diplomatically reviewed on our site. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he was very nice to it. While not giving it a recommendation, he found positive things to say about it. Mm -hmm. uh, Because I thought it was, like, actively terrible. Okay. And I I wonder if that's... Like, what what about it is actively terrible? Uh, I thought the writing was really bad. I thought the performances were stilted i thought the direction was lackluster (laughs) like almost everything and the only thing that it has going for it is that it's about an important subject yeah but it's doing the important subject in the way that like aaron sorkin did the newsroom which is to Mm. say like it's doing it in hindsight so really good yeah Yeah. it's i i was watching and i'm like why is spotlight so good and this movie yeah so bad yeah um that's a good question. I mean, like, I haven't seen She Said, but I think what she said, it's kind of like a difficult task in the sense that you're immediately, mo- most likely, you're immediately on the side of the point of view of the protagonist. Of course. So there's nothing to win over. So it might feel like preaching to the choir or it might feel like anti-drama. Yeah, well, it's a weird, like, process movie. Mm-hmm. But they failed to make the process interesting, and that's kind of what okay. Rob gets at in his review, is that he's yeah. like, they don't dramatize it in, in any way that's compelling. Did you see The Assistant? Yes. That, I think, is how you do that movie really well. Because it, you make it very personally involved, and you make it like a right. character study, and you kind of 
help us understand why a person working in that situation would feel that they have that they're trapped right right in there it's i mean there have been a handful of sort of me too or time's up movies made since that movement i mean she said is one the assistant is one Mm -hmm. that fox news one bombshell uh, Bombshell is directed by jay roach Oh, jeez. And that's the yeah. thing is, like, two of the three, I think, have fumbled it really hard. Yeah. And maybe it's a hard subject to do correctly. I agree with you that the assistant is really good. I think also some of it is just, if you're a filmmaker, you almost feel like you can't say, and I don't know what this what this filmmaker wanted to say, but it's like you, you feel like you have to say a certain thing and you can't say what you want to say necessarily. Like, you have to appease. Right. A message um and you can't really put your own spin on it or your own interpretation or your own insight on it um it has to be you know fiercely right on the side of one thing i just yeah i i agree with you especially because they were looking to document the actual events but the actual events while horrifying, I, I again they just don't dramatize them in an interesting way. I would much rather see a movie that takes chances and editorializes about this subject. And if they have to fictionalize some mm-hmm. of it, don't make it Harvey Weinstein. Don't yeah, have Ashley Judd appear as herself. You oh, know? okay. Um, yeah. And then maybe you could take some more chances. But I thought it was not good. Yeah, and in terms of spotlight, I mean, you know, she said I take it as probably like an investigative journalism movie too. Yeah. Um, but maybe it's just because the thing with spotlight is, um, it's such a, the the hypocrisy of it all is so kind of palpable. Yeah. Um, and I think it's still kind of like one of those things that we're sort of divided on where people like you know some people have like righteous anger against it Mm -hmm. in my opinion very rightfully so right and some people just either ignore it or turn a blind eye to it or things like that like like the whole break i think you mentioned recently like you know rachel mcadams in that movie yeah i think she's like a really interesting focal point of it um because she has like a a section of the movie where she talks about like how she had to break this to her mother Mm -hmm. and like how her mother like is fiercely like religious and everything like that and basically is coming from the position of like she doesn't want to know about this stuff but it's like i have to i have you have to know about this stuff like i have to force you into it yeah and i think that's something where maybe and i haven't seen she said so i'm being unfair (laughs) but like spotlight brings it into such a more of like like the assistant like a humanistic right aspect where it's not like kind of trying to be you know a message right yeah I don't. I almost don't want to say what I'm thinking. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. I want. I just wonder if part of it is that the movie fails to, I think, humanize a lot of the victims, mm-hmm. and so we're left with like phone calls with Gwyneth Paltrow. Okay. And it's like it's a little hard for us as just regular people mm-hmm. to understand what Gwyneth Paltrow was <clears throat> dealing with what the 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 fear that she that was put into her just all the stuff that like happened to just Gwyneth Paltrow and then it also happened to all these other women um the fact that it's about these successful Hollywood actresses I think 
there's a remove mm. that there isn't in something like the assistant, which yeah. is much more sort of working class. I, I don't know. It's it's a half formed thought in my head. Sure. But they fail to, with the exception of Ashley Judd, who appears as herself. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they really humanize many of the victims because they're always moving on to the next thing. Okay. It's like they interview a victim and you yeah. get this scene that could be powerful and is certainly upsetting, but like we got to interview the next person. And it's like, well, yeah. let these people tell their stories. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't like it. Okay. And then the last one I'll talk about is Weird, the Al Yankovic story, mm-hmm. a Roku Channel original that feels like a Roku channel original produced yeah. by funny or die. Like that's one thing where like, I didn't like the movie, but then I kept thinking how hard on it can I be when it's just aiming to be on the Roku funny or die sketch. Yeah. Like, like extended to feature length. Yeah. There's some really good things in it. I think Daniel Radcliffe commits really hard. Like yeah. I wouldn't say that he's funny, no, but he commits really hard. Yeah. I it's think hard, Evan Rachel would weird L. Yes. Yeah. I think Evan Rachel Wood is funny. Yeah, she is really, she's the highlight of that movie. Yeah. yeah. I think they have a take on Madonna mm-hmm. that is very funny, and where they bring that character I thought was very funny. Like, mm-hmm. the movie, to me, was funnier when it really breaks from reality, because it starts off very much just being a parody of biopics, Yeah, and Julianne Nicholson has a very funny line to her son where she's like, I guess what I'm saying is stop doing what you love and never be who you are Yeah, or something Mm -hmm. to that effect. And Mm -hmm. it's funny, but the movie gets funnier when it's less concerned with being a walk hard. Mm -hmm. And when it's like weird Al is having to save Madonna from Colombian drug Lords. Okay. See, I never. I thought it never stopped being walk hard. Okay, that's, that's why I didn't like it. Where I was just like, you feel like fifteen years behind the curve on it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The 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 thing I just kind of wished was, and this isn't like to disparage Daniel Radcliffe's performance. It's just that it seems so obvious to me that the way to do this is just have Weird Al play Weird Al. Sure. So like, I don't understand like right. why he's not. I've never, I haven't heard anything or read anything of like why he didn't decide to okay. play himself in this movie, but I don't know. We need another UHF before Al retires. Yeah. Not a, a sequel to UHF. Just I just another, another Al Yankovic movie. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I thought the joke that like he wrote Eat It as an original yeah, was that's funny. Some, that's like some stuff, yeah, that's the stuff funny. where it breaks from reality, yeah. I think, was a lot funnier than where it's just trying to satirize music biopics. Yep, I hear you. Anyway, I was as a huge Weird Al fan, I was let down, mm-hmm. but it's not the worst. Okay, it's I, I will have forgotten it by the time we finish this conversation. I'm on the edge of my seat because I think you said that was the last thing that you were going to talk about. Yeah. Oh shit! No, I forgot one. <laughs> are you or are you not a bicentennial fan? <laughs> I only watched it to talk about it on this podcast. And you almost missed it. I was like, I, was I gotta, so, When I, I saw this, this, I was this so in. excited about it. <laughs> I also watched Bicentennial Man, the Chris Columbus joint from 1999, specifically so I could talk about it on this podcast with Adam, because it is part of the two-fifths of Columbus. Knights of Columbus. <laughs> um, wow, what a wacky movie. I don't even know. I remember it being more of a drama than a comedy. It's not a comedy at all like it's ai before ai yes yeah it's i robot before i robot okay um because he even starts talking about the three laws at one point oh all right um 
I don't think the suit works, although mm. I was pleased to see a practical suit instead of a CG creation, especially in 1999 when you know that CG creation is going to be garbage. Yeah. Um, it's a weird drama. It's trying to say something about humanity and death. I think it gets halfway there. Like, I didn't dislike it, but I found myself fascinated by it. Like, why did Chris Columbus, this very commercial, like, sort of comedy director, choose to make this movie? He and Robin Williams kind of had their Trekley period around the late 90s, though. Because, like, with Stepmom, which I've never seen, but I know is, like... That's a Columbus joint? That's Chris Columbus's movie right before Bicentennial Man. And then, like... Robin Williams was like with the What Dreams May Come and Patch Adams and everything like that. Yeah, so this was kind of... And Jacob the Liar. It was Oof. like, yeah. This I would take this over Patch Adams any day. I only saw Patch Adams once. Me too. And During like remember. a nervous breakdown. Okay. Yeah, that's probably not the way to watch it. I remember <laughs> being not. like really upset about like the Monica Potter thing in the movie, which, you know, granted is like she was based on a real person and this is what really happened to her. But I was just like... I thought we were supposed to be having, like, Christmas drama fun. <laughs> <laughs> what happens with... My, I don't remember. Her character got, like, murdered or something oh my like that. God. And it was, like, his... The girl that he, like, liked in in uh, medical school and things like that. So I have no memory of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a real shady act situation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Bicentennial Man. It's, like, fascinating. It takes place in this future... But the production design isn't particularly mm-hmm. inspired. Um, it barely feels futuristic. It was funny when you were talking about Murder in the First because I pulled up the Wikipedia and I saw M. Beth Davids was in it. And I was like, she's in Bicentennial Man. She plays multiple roles in Bicentennial Man. M. Beth Davids was in every movie in the 1990s. <laughs> Are you sure it wasn't Francis O'Connor who plays the same role in AI? And they're almost interchangeable. This is true. But M. Beth Davids all over the place. Yeah. Like, and then it's basically like they were running a race and she gave her the baton and then she ran <laughs> the next few laps. But she just showed up in Old? Yeah, she did. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like she's also a character that's been like makeuped and like different period specific for so long yeah. that when I saw her in Old, I was just like, which... <laughs> I can't place you. Like, how old are you now? Uh, was Bicentennial Man her warm up for old? Maybe. I don't it, know. This is just such a weird movie because in my head it was like such a massive bomb. Yeah. And I guess it wasn't, but I posted something very innocuous on Twitter and just said, like, this is a weird movie. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people responded. Like, oh, really? I used okay. to love that movie. Interesting. That, that movie makes me cry. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, people love Bicentennial Man. I assumed this was a movie that time forgot. I remember it had two shelves at Blockbuster. Wow. And it rented marginally well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's right. It's yeah. it's it's a weird one. It, mm-hmm. it at least tries to have some ideas, although its ideas are pretty basic. Yeah. Um, I think where it gets to at the end, which is just this robot that wants to be a human and die is kind of moving Mm -hmm. kind of i think it's kind of funny that like it's like only in 1999 would be like the wacky robot movie where they're just like let's make it existential yeah for sure (laughs) 
Again, 99 is such an interesting year that even Columbus is, like, working outside of his comfort zone. Yeah, yeah, Columbus is like, I'm going to make this one count. Right. Um, it's like, why focus on this millennia when I can focus on multiple millennia? <laughs> and then he goes on to Harry Potter, so he's doing all right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, should we talk Friday Night Double Features? Yeah. Which one you want to do first? Castle Rock, baby. Okay. Yeah. So this was one of yours. Um, the theme was Castle Rock Entertainment. Uh, who had a really good track record for a long time yeah. until it got flipped in 2010. <laughs> and then it's been basically like Rob Reiner movie, uh, and that's about it. Um, uh, but uh, before that, I mean, like, they had their hands in television with, like, Seinfeld, and they did a lot. I think they started with, like, One Harry Met Sally was kind of, like, their first kind of breakout movie okay. but like it was sort of the house of stephen king movies it was the house of william goldman movie yeah, written right. movies uh, he'll come up later it yeah, was yeah, like yeah. the house of rob reiner stuff like that so and carl reiner carl sibling reiner. rivalry oh who can forget Coleman joint rivalry. yeah i remember when sibling rivalry came out that yeah. was like when i was eight and I was just like, how did he die? And my mom being like, you don't need to know that. And she's just like, he just didn't wake up. And I'm just like, what? It's just, there was this, there was this lane of comedy that TV stars yeah. would make. Mm-hmm. I know you have that story about Second Sight, but that's like such a, yeah. we've got some oh, TV sure. actors yeah. to be in our comedy and Sibling Rivalry is another one, which yeah. isn't even the worst. Bill Pullman, pretty funny in Sibling Rivalry. Yeah. No, that's the father-son story that gets to my dad is the <laughs> time I made him uh, stop watching a Bears game early to take me to the 4 o'clock show of Second Sight. And he's just like, you know, Walter Payton's still playing, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, uh, Bilky Bartokamas is in a fucking movie and he's the lead. Yeah. We're going. So, yeah. Him and Dan Fielding. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so uh, the double feature was uh, Dolores Claiborne and Zero Effect. Yes. Uh, did you watch this like together in one evening, or did you watch it kind of separately? The other double feature, I split up. This one I watched as a double feature. Okay, all right. Um, how did you think you, it played as a double feature? Pretty well, I think. It just kind of made me miss the 90s. Yeah. Uh, in a different way that the other double feature makes me miss the 90s. Okay. Um, because yeah. I think these are more like... Well, I don't know. Dolores Claiborne is kind of a for-hire mm-hmm. job. I mean, Zero Effect stands out because it's more of like a personal passion project yeah. as opposed to the other three movies that we're going to talk about, which are just kind of like for-hire entertainments. Yeah, I can see that. Um, but I thought it I thought it worked. I mean, I thought, you know, both movies were very, like, performance-driven. Mm-hmm. Um, What'd you, this was your first viewing of both. It was. Okay. Yeah. What did you think of Dolores Claiborne? I liked it. I didn't love it. Yeah. Um, it's, But that's really just because <clears throat> the non-supernatural drama Stephen King bar is so high. With the Darabont stuff? With the Darabont stuff. Okay. And then even, like, you know, it's hard not to compare it to Misery because this is him. Like, he wrote Dolores right. Claiborne, like like the novel like thinking of Kathy Bates right. as this character right. um and it doesn't have that rewatchability to it it's a much more kind of one and done type of movie just okay. based off of content um really 
um because it's a very sober um movie about grief and repressed trauma and um abuse abuse and everything Physical like abuse, that. sexual abuse alcoholism yeah yeah just um yeah it's it, it it's a tough movie um yeah. but there's a lot of stuff in it that i liked and like the kathy bates like i, I i'm happy that a few years ago i came to the realization that i'm like a giant kathy bates fan okay because it sort of helped me like really appreciate every new movie i've seen her in yeah. whether it's like you know a movie that's not altogether successful like a richard jewel or like okay um you know thinking back to her like in primary colors or in dolores claiborne or in misery or like even her her stint on the office is incredible <laughs> like like that character joe could have been so easily like the boss for the ceo from right, Hell, right 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 but it's just like she's so like rough around the edges but she's like at the heart of it like a pretty nice yeah person yeah. and a pretty good person to work with and like that was always just like so refreshing to those sure. joe episodes right. so um and jennifer jason lee is like i know one of your faves and yeah. everything like that she's an actor that like i've grown to appreciate more and more like i think it's just because as i was growing up her brand of movie wasn't the thing that like i would gravitate to i'm not like, porn yeah I, I wasn't like being like you know it's friday night let's go rent rush or like <laughs> stuff like that so i just rewatched rush <laughs> oh, did a you? couple weeks ago okay was it a narc uh chasing uh it was before narc it was before narc yeah. okay yeah but i think she's like you know pretty incredible in the movie and um their characters feel so lived in and they feel like they have such history um and then just like you know this one thing that's nice about these 90s movies is just like the supporting cast is so stacked right 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 um you know with Strathairn and christopher Plummer, and then um john c Riley like showing up with like a weird main accent and stuff everybody's like that. got a weird main accent that's the one thing that i didn't like about the movie it's such <laughs> a little quibble but um it reminded me of like Stephen mocked and graveyard shift where I'm just like, shut your mouth. <laughs> God damn JJL does not do one because she's like gotten away. Yeah. She doesn't live there anymore. So yeah. she gets by without having to do one, but everybody who remained in town yeah. is doing a real, uh, yeah. Yeah. Mouths are dripping with chowder. <laughs> chowder. <laughs> chowder. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, um, I, I really liked, the whole kind of A to Z mapping of the relationship between Dolores mm -hmm. and Vera. Mm -hmm. um, it's really just kind of, you know, unexpected. And when old Vera is falling down the stairs and we see old Vera, I was just like, that is some Zelda <laughs> shit right there. Like, it's, And then the mailman just like, what is going on in here? <laughs> I have never read Dolores Claiborne, yeah. um, but I do think it's interesting that Stephen King wrote this book, and he's written a lot about and for women, and sometimes he's not great at it, and mm -hmm. sometimes I think he does a really good job with it. And yeah. Dolores Claiborne is specifically about the relationships between women. Yeah. And yeah. what they get out of them and how they are able to empower one another, support mm -hmm. one another, rescue one another from situations. Yeah. Um, I really like, oh, we forgot Eric Bogosian too. He shows oh, yeah. up for he a couple in scenes. The, in the beginning, yeah. yeah. To be a slime ball. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. 
It'd be weird to cast him. He's as a like nice guy. if Jeff Goldblum is what you're going after, but you want him to be like 50% more creep. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right, right, right. Yeah. Um, did you ever watch uh, Castle Rock? No. I was wondering if that was any good or not. I know it didn't last for very long. I think it was but... two seasons, and okay. I wanted to watch it just as a Stephen King fan, yeah. but okay. I have a hard time committing to new shows, and uh, yeah. even the promise of what's her name playing Annie Wilkes didn't oh, um, um, Lizzie Kaplan yeah yeah I don't know I one thing I did like about Dolores Claiborne and I I have this with you know almost all Stephen King um as long as it's not completely you know botched is they feel so like warm and literary yeah and yeah. like it just feels like you're reading a book yeah. and they take their time and there's such specificity <clears throat> of character right. and of time and place and everything like that so I, I really enjoyed just kind of luxuriating in mm-hmm. like the space that this movie has. And I think Taylor Hackford, who's a director who I'm I'm never thinking of myself as a Taylor Hackford. I totally fan. wanted to ask you like where you add on Taylor Hackford. I can I would need to like have somebody read his filmography back to me. And I think you would be the person to I could do be that person. <laughs> I can think of immediately like he did Ray, which I liked it enough at the time but i've never felt like going back to me either the devil's advocate is good yeah dolores claiborne is good and officer and a gentleman is kind of garbage yeah yeah uh so he does a couple movies before i mean he really only does like the idol maker before officer and a gentleman because he does a documentary and a short film officer and a gentleman's kind of is coming out then he does against all odds i never saw it it's not great, but the song can make me cry if I'm in the middle of a breakdown seeing uh, yeah. Michael at the Marcus Addison Theater. There you go. So, so senior and <laughs> exactly. against the lots. Right. Yeah. And uh, Patch Adams, apparently. Yeah. Um, I cried during Love Lights Hanukkah last night. That was the first time it <laughs> really? broke tears on me. What was the moment? I think it had something to do with like the dreidels or like I don't remember. <laughs> it was something like really stupid. <laughs> It usually is, yeah. you know. And yeah, you just, I don't know. Yeah. My tummy hurts. So like. <laughs> uh, White Knights. Okay, I know of it. I haven't seen it. Hail, Hail, Rock and Roll, the Chuck Berry documentary. I got White Knights wrong as an answer on the box office game okay. lately. You know that thing, that, yeah, that yeah, site? Yeah. Because I thought it was like White K-N-I-G-H-T-S. Oh. And apparently there is a movie I called that. I believe there is. So I put that in there and it's just like, fuck you, you're wrong. And I'm like, fine, it's the end. You could have given me that one. I'm realizing though, Taylor Hackford, Officer and a Gentleman has Right Up Where We Belong by Joe Cocker. Mm-hmm. Iconic song. Yeah. Against All Odds, of course. Against All Odds by Phil Collins. White Knights, Say You, Say Me by Lionel Richie. He's three for three. Wow. Right. The iconic movie okay. song. Yeah, I mean, like, he, he's a very musical director. I guess so. Hail, Hail, Rock and Roll right. is Chuck Berry. And, and he does Ray. Ray, okay. Um, what was in his 90s before, like, before and after? His 90s is pretty light. Uh, okay. So he does Everybody's All-American in 88. That's Dennis Quaid football movie? Yep. Okay, I never saw and it. Jessica Lange, no, me either, and I was confusing it with the Robin Williams, Best Kurt Russell, times? Best of Times movie. Okay. I know I've seen that. Then he does Blood In, Blood Out, which seems like not a Taylor Hackford movie Is that one all. of the Benjamin Bratt movies? Yep. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Uh, then he does Dolores Claiborne, then he does Devil's Advocate. He's only got three movies in the 90s. Oh, interesting. Okay. And he's got some heat. And he mm-hmm. does Proof of Life. Bad. 
garbage movie. Yeah, good David Caruso performance. I don't even remember it. He comes I... into it like two thirds in. Okay. It's like when him and Russell Crowe are like trying to <laughs> rescue David Morse. Right. And Caruso is just like a, the live wire this movie's needed for okay. like an hour and 40 minutes. But the rest of it Kind is, of the movie yeah. that ends Meg Ryan's career. Uh, to She's never the same after this. It's so unfortunate. Yeah. Um, I have on my HBO Max list Against the Ropes. I'm going to watch that. Which I've never it's seen. It's like a boxing movie with yeah. her and Omar Epps. I remember it. Uh, then he does Ray. Yeah. Gets some more heat. Then it's an unfortunate run of Love Ranch, mm. which he directs, I think, mostly for his wife, Helen Mirren. And Pesci's in it. Pesci is in it. Yeah. And Scott Taylor Compton, I think, is in it. She is, because she talked about on her podcast how she like did research at the Bunny Ranch or something, like talked to the women there. Okay. Uh, then he does Parker. The uh, really... Jennifer Lopez, Jason Statham. Yeah. Okay. Also not very good. Mm-hmm. Then he does, I believe, one of your favorites, The Comedian, with Robert De Niro. Yeah, this is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. <laughs> so, uh, are you are you a Taylor Hackford no. guy? We just ran through his whole filmography, no, and he's got maybe three good ones. It's the Carnahan thing. It's like, are yeah. you a fan, or do you just like a couple of his movies? Yeah. I just thought of a great Carnahan. Uh, Darren Aronofsky. Like, I'll see every mm. Darren Aronofsky movie that comes out. Yeah. I think the only two I like very like, few of them. Yeah, Wrestler and Black Swan, I think, are the only ones that I would say that I would watch it ever again. And I don't even see myself watching those again. You mm. know, like I would mm. because I did like both of those movies. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I don't. I, I don't know. I'm never like yeah jumping at the chance to watch right. them or anything like that. Um, and I'm not excited about the whale. Not really. Yeah, I feel like I kind of need to see it just because I followed Aronofsky up to this point. Right, if and I want to see like, the Brendan Fraser performance. Like, there's yeah. reasons I want to see the movie, but... Sure, it's, yeah. And I, I really will see any Aronofsky movie, but I don't consider myself really a fan of him. No, I can see that. <clears throat> um, yeah, uh, Just bef- did, did you do the trailers? I did. Before the first movie, I did them in between movies. Okay, so that's where we differ. Like I always do it before the first movie. Okay, and then I like I'm like I need a break between movies. Yeah, and I think of the two double features, this was maybe you. I mean, obviously because Dolores Claiborne is like pretty heavy, a pretty heavy movie. Like this one felt like if I sat in a theater and watched. Dolores Claiborne and Zero Effect, I would be exhausted at the end of the night. Understandably so. Um, but. Not to say that they're bad movies or anything like that, because they are both good movies. So Okay. Yeah. Uh, so the trailers yeah. were... Hold on, I have it pulled up here. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to scroll down to the bottom. Uh, Last Days of Disco. Yes, which I've never <clears throat> seen, and now I want to see after watching the trailer. That movie rules and has probably the best Kate Beckinsale performance ever given. I'm a, I don't think I've seen enough Whit Stillman movies. I no, I've seen Damsels in Distress and mm. thought it was good. Okay. But I can't think of any of the other ones. Uh, Metropolitan, Barcelona, Last Days of Disco, okay. Damsels in Distress. There's one I'm forgetting because he kind of... I feel like Noah Baumbach came along as like Diet Wit Stillman and then mm. made him irrelevant. That's too bad. I'm um, not a big Noah Baumbach guy. I I was because yeah. I liked kicking and screaming so much in the '90s, mm. and then I liked Squid and the Whale, mm-hmm. and I liked 
maybe the next one and then everything since has just been is like that greenberg or is i think something? i liked greenberg sort okay. of oh yeah. love and friendship that's the one i'm forgetting that's like oh, the okay. jane austen yeah. period one which also has a good kate beckinsale performance mm-hmm. yeah um, Last Days of Disco might be my favorite of his movies. Okay, yeah, I am curious because I'm kind of a mark for like '90s interpretation of Studio Fifty Four era, right, right, era. era. Like Fifty Four, I liked more than I should have. And <laughs> have you seen Sam, the director's cut? I haven't seen the director's cut. Oh, I just watched the wildly different cut. movie. And then Summer of Sam, I like <clears throat> just loved how sleazy, like disco-y that movie is. Like Wasamo. Yeah, yeah. Let's um, go to hedonism, Spawn. <laughs> <laughs> Lift up your shirt, Spawn. Show them your abs, Spawn, and we'll get in. Come on, Mira Shorvino, dance with me to this Marvin Gaye song. I kind of feel Spawn. like I kind of feel like knowing what I know of Studio Fifty Four, yeah. John Leguizamo gets in line. He's not getting in without Mira Sorvino. No. Clown gets in line, whether he has Sorvino or not. He's <laughs> For sure, <laughs> just like he's like him in Disco there. Granny. There's like send them both in. We need more weird shit in this place. We need a bigger booth, Andy Warhol. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, one thing I forgot to say with oh, yeah. Dolores Claiborne is I think Taylor <clears throat> Hackford Hackford <laughs> I am Hackford <laughs> I am short circuiting I is my make this is proof my last of year life. of my bicentennial <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> make me human to marry and Beth Davids I think he does a really good job of going in and out of uh, flashbacks very good job. Yeah. Yeah. The structure is really interesting. The way yeah. the movie plays with time, I completely agree. This is like amorphous thing <clears throat> where it's just like, yeah. The last sequence is mm-hmm. what torpedoes the movie for me a little bit because like, it's this I'm very a... long, like, okay. sort of courtroom scene. Oh, yeah. It's a little much. Yeah. And I, again, having not read the book, I'm reading it or reading it, watching the movie being like, is this just an adaptation of Stephen King, who is notoriously bad with endings? Yeah. Is this how he chooses to end the to end the book, or is this uh, the movie's written by Tony Gilroy? So no mm-hmm. wonder. Like again, you have a really good writer, yeah. reasonably good director when he has good material to work with, great cast. Like of course the movie's going to be a three star movie, you know? Yeah, it does feel a little bit like that scene where like. Jennifer Jason Lee is basically a John Grisham lawyer out yes. of nowhere for yes. a second. Right. She it feels a lot like if you're giving like a presentation in school or at work and you're just like, if I talk really fast and get through it, then like they'll probably be like, <laughs> Yeah. I don't know, I guess. Like acquitted? And sure. Christopher Plummer just becomes kind of like a cartoony. A cartoony He's villain. Like mustache twirling. Exactly. Uh, yeah. uh, um, but uh yeah, I, I think the movie benefits by that not being the last scene and like right. ending on the scene between the two of them agreed so, yeah agreed mm-hmm. um so we watch trailers for the last days of disco malice which should be a show we okay. should do a show on malice next year. i'm into it yeah um the trailer i watched for malice i chose because it said it was hd mm-hmm. but it was actually like a weird like promo for the person in charge of buying the rentals at blockbuster what because it makes mention of like smash 38 million dollar box office or something i need to see where is this just on youtube yeah it was on youtube oh god i'm such a mark it has like like german subtitles retailer promo it shows kidman butt in the trailer yes 
it's got everything, basically. It's got the smashed $38 million box office. The only thing I love more than Kidman Butt is VHS retailer promo <laughs> of the death. Um, <laughs> but it was nice to see Pullman in another Castle Rock joint. I bet just some VHS retailer was just like, we'll get 15 units and we'll see Kidman Butt, and they're just like, maybe 18. <laughs> um, Malice rule. Yeah. No, uh, yeah, Malice is incredible. What I did for this one was I follow two channels on YouTube that do um, compressed uploads of 35 millimeter oh, trailers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I love that yeah. because it's just they, they look filmy enough and like you can see all the cracks and specs and things like that. Just like the Malice trailer. VHS trailer promo. The... Uh, so I found one for, for Malice that was the 35mm trailer and I have a vivid memory of that trailer freaking me out um, it's a great trailer it's got like George C. Scott doing a voiceover okay. and like um, Alec Baldwin like you know with all of his kind of like money lines from right, right, right. and everything like that but I remember seeing that trailer at Barrington Square and it was before like Demolition Man or something of that okay. time period and the image of like Kidman on the hospital bed with the tube in her mouth and her eyes taped and things like that, like freaked me out, like more than anything in a horror movie. And I was just, I don't know. But like when seeing that trailer, I was just like, I'm over that. I'm brave now. <laughs> Malice, again, you have a, an Aaron Sorkin script yeah. and a Scott, it's Sorkin and Scott Frank, right? I think so. Yeah. Harold Becker directing? Yeah, very underrated director. Great cast. It's a mm-hmm. real Dolores Claiborne situation, but I, if I yeah. was forced to choose between the two, I'm going Malice. Malice would be like on my <clears throat> top ten sight and sound list if they asked me. <laughs> like, what are we doing? Like, what was number one? I don't remember the name of it. It was that I, I, yeah, I saw Chantel some, Ackerman movie. But. Yeah, I saw some... Uh, some funny thing where it was just like now this is like the next few months and it's just like dude bros on youtube making like right it's like shocked faces right. in their right. thumbnail like watching that movie <sighs> but yeah malice is one of the best movies ever made <laughs> malice rules yeah the third trailer was in the land of women yeah which i haven't seen since i saw it but uh, i remember liking it i watched it like fairly recently because yeah. i want to say it was available to purchase on Amazon for like two dollars, yeah. like the digital copy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the trailers are nice because it sets us up Pullman and Malice. Yeah, a Kasdan doing yeah. In the Land of Women. Mm-hmm. Uh, his older brother Jake writes and directs Zero Effect, mm-hmm. which is my favorite Bill Pullman performance. Yes, I could see that. Yeah, he's really really good in it. I saw it at one Schaumburg place in 1997, and okay. it was one of the. It was maybe the second or third DVD I ever bought. Yeah, it came out early that year, didn't it? Yeah, Wasn't it I like a January so. release yeah. or something like that. Yeah. One thing I want to say real quick yeah. before we get into Zero Effects proper. Yeah. Um, in the Land of Women, yeah. probably the best Meg Ryan of the 2000s. I would agree with that. Cause She's it's, really good in it. And it's one of the few movies that like gave her something to do. Something different, too. Because yeah. she kind of like aged into a different type right. of performance. Although it makes her sick in that movie, doesn't it? Oh, does it? Yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah. Okay. Right. She doesn't, like, spoilers, she doesn't die. Which, usually when somebody's sick in a movie, they do. Mm-hmm. She does not. But, uh... 
good early case to yeah. Adam Brody right in the pocket. Yeah. <laughs> Doing the Adam Brody thing. Yeah, I was never sold on him, but like, sure. I'm not going to like kick, <laughs> right. kick him out of Hollywood. <laughs> sure. <laughs> he shows up and stuff and do. he's good. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's just like friends with a lot of people, so he does little supporting turns in a lot of movies. This was yeah. definitely like, let's make Adam Brody a movie star, and obviously it didn't happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I think Adam Brody was like, it was kind of like a jealousy thing where like girls I would date at the time, they're just like, man, he's hot, and they'd be like, but you're cute. And I'm just like, that's not good. Like, it should be flipped. <laughs> should be flipped like that movie from Castle Rock. <laughs> I, they just must not need the money anymore because of I Seinfeld. Not. Like I guess they can not. Just... Yeah, I mean they're still around. They're not right. like defunct, right? But you know, I don't know. Um, Zero effect. What'd you think? I really liked it, and it snuck up on me in a way that I wasn't expecting. <laughs> I thought that it was going to be Pink Panther almost. Oh, okay. Um, just from what I had kind of seen of the trailer, or sure. like. I don't even know what... The only reputation I know of it is just a vague memory of when it was released. And then I know that you were a giant fan of the movie. Um, it's something I always wanted to get around to, but I never did. Um, I thought it was going to be more of like a kind of like, you know, put upon Ben Stiller comedy. Like, okay. look at my weird boss and yeah, stuff right, like that. Right, right. And the thing that really like struck me just was, unlike Glass Onion, good mystery. Yeah. Unlike Glass Onion, interesting characters. (laughs) Unlike Glass Onion, powerful at the end. Yeah. Really powerful. Like, I thought that it was so interesting that it's like... And Roger Ebert's review kind of, like, put a nail on the head with this one, which was... Is this a three-star or a a three-and-a-half? I think it was a a three-and-a-half. Yeah, Ebert. Um, He said that it kind of honors, like, the tenets of... Holmes and Watson mystery and like the Kim Dickens part is like the woman who gets under Sherlock Holmes's skin and stuff like that it's like the adversary that he kind of it's like the Neil McCauley Vincent Hanna thing right 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 but but there's a romantic element to it this time was there not in heat there should have been (laughs) yeah I was in heat but anyways um let's get some food um uh yeah but like that last scene where like she's on the payphone and he's talking to her from his office and everything like that it's so um it's so right like the choice that they made but also like it's so deeply sad that um you know these are two people who kind of like really can only operate in a normal function if they were together right but they're their nature won't allow it. Right. Like they just, and they know it. And it's not like this is some kind of, you know, if only they had more self-awareness, it's like they have too much self-awareness and they just kind of know that, you know, they're at an inflection point, but like they just can't change as people. Right. And it's, um, really cute kind of in the beginning too, because like, I love that scene where like they're in the hotel room and like Bill Pullman's just, kind of flummoxed by like meeting Kim Dickens because he's so well he's so good at like analyzing people by like the most minute details Mm -hmm. and things like that and his just objectivity is just completely off you know it's rocker because he's just been you know he's uh, this woman just appeals to him so much um 
and yeah it's just a great pullman performance because he could have gone so wacky with it right but he does it in just the right amount it's so i mean it's such a you know an eccentric character it's so well written yeah and so interestingly performed because it's so specific mm-hmm. while also just like weird you know yeah. like we were joking about the giant bag of pretzels or the tuna or the the tab. Uh, the tab right yeah, it's yeah. just these weird touches mm-hmm. or him writing songs and writing poetry like it yeah. doesn't pay off in any way really right it's just an, a little flourish that they add to this character mm-hmm. and uh i just i like that jake kasdan saw in bill pullman the opportunity to like lead a movie mm-hmm. to play this part Yep. He does this in lost highway in the same year by the way holy shit 97 year of pullman yeah and um yeah no i just i i really like all the little details that they have in it where it's like he's got the fridge full of tab but he's got like a couple cans that you know ben stiller left there of diet coke because <laughs> right. he just doesn't want to drink tab ben like stiller yeah. as like annoyed watson i really love i yeah, miss yeah. this period of like ben stiller as he's sort of becoming a movie star yeah Mm-hmm. He's doing like interesting indie movies. He's working with like he's doing your friends and neighbors. He's it, doing yeah. It feels like he's not like trying to follow some kind of Will Smith commercial roadmap right. yet. It's just whatever right. his interest is at right. the time. Yeah, and and he was a reason to go see a movie because he yeah. kind of had good taste early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then and Jay Caston like never makes a movie this good again even though he makes a couple of movies i like that mm-hmm. first jumanji was fun yeah. and i i'll go to bat for like bad teacher even okay i think there's good stuff in bad teacher but Did he kind of gets County? yeah that was his next movie that one has its moments it's okay it's, yeah, yeah. yeah i mean the 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 cheerleaders dancing to butterfly will always make me laugh <laughs> i like skylar fisk she's good yeah yeah um it's just the he gets swallowed up by sort of the studio comedy machine yeah uh pretty early on and Mm -hmm. never gets to make a movie this original again yeah it's nice that he was able to get this one like sneak this one out right before which is pure nepotism i think like it was low budget enough it didn't have big stars and his dad is lawrence kasdan you know exactly yeah no, but yeah, I'm I'm really glad that I finally saw this. This was Me uh, too. a really, I think of the four movies we watched, this was my favorite. Uh, definitely mine. But it's really that... close with my number two, but like this okay. was probably my favorite. Okay, well, I'm happy to hear that. Good Ryan O'Neill performance. Yeah, I mean, like he's he's such like inherently just kind of a piece of shit right. creep that right. we don't want to like and like right. perfectly cast but, right like, exactly like gives a performance he's right. not like just kind of resting on his like dirtbag laurels i guess and i didn't yeah. totally get the kim dickens performance in 97 okay because i thought she was just diet Lori petty sure and i was like got a real rob haircut specific, yeah, well, yeah yeah specifically like tyler from point break i just thought she was so much like tyler from point break yeah uh watching it again i was like having seen enough other kim dickens performances and having seen her be like really great and stuff Mm -hmm. really made me appreciate like oh so much of what she's doing in this movie is a choice not kim dickens just playing herself Mm -hmm. she's really doing something in this movie and it i it's really good I have, like, this weird Mandela effect sometimes with Siskel and Ebert reviews, where I remember one time I said something about how, like, Siskel was kind of an easy lay for, like, 
athletes in movies where he would say like Michael Jordan's really good in Space Jam. Shaquille O'Neal works in Blue Chips. And I thought that he said that Bo Jackson was like surprisingly strong in the chamber and then I rewatched <laughs> that review and he did not say that at all. So I'm I still haven't like, seen the chamber. So I'm That's like my... where did I get this from? So I was trying to find the Mercury Rising review naturally because Kim Dickens was in it. Okay. But I have this like memory that either him or either Siskel or Ebert or both of them were like totally in the bag for Kim Dickens at the time. Interesting. Where they were just like this Mercury Rising nonsense is formula, it's garbage, it's like not a good Bruce Willis vehicle, but Kim Dickens. <laughs> so like every time I see her in a movie, I'm just like thinking, but Kim Dickens. <laughs> she was maybe my favorite performance in Gone Girl. Oh yeah, that's right. She She's plays so good in that movie. The cop, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then Carrie Coon is the sister. Oh, Carrie Coon was great in that movie yeah, too. Okay. I mean, everybody's kind of good in that movie. But it's a good movie. That's, it is. I don't like enough. I don't know. It's weird. It's like I really can enjoy watching it, but where it sits with me after yeah. it's over, I just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was our first double feature. Our second double yeah. feature mm-hmm. is '90s Gale Ann Heard. Yes. <laughs> Which is just an excuse to watch these two movies, uh, No Escape from 1994 mm-hmm. and The Ghost in the Darkness from 1996. I need to have two mentions of Gail Ann Heard trivia before we get started. Bring it. Because one is just, I think you'll like, and okay. I know Elric will like. Okay. And one is just so perfect <laughs> for this. First one, she is very good friends with Sybil Danning. Very nice. She owns a yacht named Double Feature. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Yeah. Terminator 2 paid for that yacht. Weirdly enough, parked right in between, or right next to Clint Eastwood (laughs) and Jeff Daniels from Bloodward. And she's just like, where's Jasper? He just wants to be friends. It would be so great if she was like their neighbor next to Jasper. And she's just like, where's Jasper been? And Coney says, it's like, oh, it's a long story. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, but uh, yeah, Gail Annard had some blood work of her own to do. Yeah, she did. No escape and the ghost in the darkness. So, yeah, I never, I I had meant to see No Escape forever. Mm Mm-hmm. And it just was not easily available. Right. Um, it was like, I think the video release of it was like HBO I video. I think you're right. And they were never great for like keeping things in release. Like the, No, the there was like some Snapcase DVDs yeah. early on, but if it was an HBO title, yeah. it went out of print and it then was you like, couldn't it find right it. Away. Yeah. yeah, like Tales from the Hood, I remember, right. was another one. Yeah. You're like, I snatched that Snapcase like right away because <laughs> I'm just like, this is going to be an endangered species. And it was for a long yeah. time. Um, I'm so glad that I finally got to see No Escape. Who who put it out? The Blu-ray. It was pretty recently. MVD maybe. Yeah, it was something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So had you had seen No Escape before? Not right? since like the blockbuster days. Oh, okay. So right. the '90s was the yeah. last time I saw No Escape. Yeah. Um, interesting to watch it now. You know, sadly because of Ray Liotta yeah. passing away this year. Um, I know I read in the trivia for this that. He was attracted to the movie because it gave him a chance. He really wanted to be like a heroic action lead in a mm-hmm. movie. And like, you know, obviously this is, it's not like a no brainer that he would get those offers. He sure. would always get like the Although he offers. was offered Batman and turned it down. Really? Yeah. The first one? Yep. Coming off of 
something, something wild? wild yeah weird field of dreams maybe that was the same year as Batman? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Field of Dreams, I'm embarrassed to know this. Field of Dreams was like <laughs> April and you Batman was June. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but I think Ray Liotta actually probably would have been a good Bruce Wayne. I sure. don't know if he would have been a good Batman. I don't know. He turned it down. He didn't want to okay. be behind a mask, I think. Like, seeing that, like, this would be one of his first, probably his first huge role. Yeah. He didn't want to sliding doors thing he wouldn't have gotten goodfellas then exactly probably because they would have been shooting right close together right um but no i think he really works well as a action lead Um, okay it's there's always a certain gratification i have from seeing the quote-unquote tough guy bad guy you know sneering dude be the hero yes like it's just it, it, yeah it's just like really fun to see and it's like yay he's on our side this time <laughs> um the uh yeah I, I i and also this was kind of an era era of era. like real tough guys era dolores yeah <laughs> era what time do i have to return <laughs> The book to the library. The, I don't know why they went to book to the library. What the fuck is going on? Anyways, um, no, but like this was like a time of like real tough guys in movies, and now like if I said Siri, show me a giant pussy, it would like bring up Dwayne Johnson. Like he's like supposed to be a tough guy, but like I feel like I could fucking beat up Dwayne Johnson. Like I don't care how big he is. Like I feel like I could hurt him really badly. Well, getting in a fight with you would be bad for his brand, so he wouldn't do it. Yeah. And like throw his tequila in his eyes. And Ray Liotta didn't give a shit about his brand and that's what makes them different. Exactly. Yeah. Like Yeah, like Ray Liotta I feel like if I cut him off in traffic, like I would be fearful yeah, for my life the for the Robert rest of my life. from yeah. Lost Highway. Yeah, he would be unhinged. You know how many fucking car lengths it takes <laughs> to stop a car going at this speed? Yeah. Six um, fucking car lengths. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. One of my family members uh, went to Mizzou, and Robert Loja went to Mizzou, mm-hmm. and he was, like, an alumni that they he would call in, and he would, like, do donations and things like that. And this person in my family talked to Robert Loja on the phone, and she oh my said gosh. he was really nice. Nice. Yeah, so Timmy, was, yeah. your mother's right. He's just like, anything for the Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a booster. I don't know why I'm Al Pacino. <laughs> Pacino also supporting Mizzou. Exactly. Um, but I, I'm glad that I saw No Escape now as opposed to in the 90s because I'm more of a fan of the Mad Max-style action okay movie sure. than i was back then yeah and this is what that reminded me of a lot it felt like water world and mad max right. and everything like that um good cast yeah like so many of these movies in the 90s you get yeah. a bunch of people who are not huge stars yet mm-hmm. or maybe ever but just good character actors like ernie hudson and yeah. I could have done without Kevin Dillon, but whatever. Yeah, you got Lance Henriksen, though. Henriksen showing up. Yeah. It's been a long time since we had a good, like, prison island movie, because that used to mm-hmm. be such a, like, a terminal island or turkey shoot. Like, it used to be such a staple yeah. of the exploitation genre, and I can't think of really one since. movies. Yeah. Yeah. I can't really think of one, like, since No Escape. Yeah, I don't know. 
Um, I'm sure there was one, I'm, but I just didn't blank sure. in. Yeah. Death Race? Maybe, but I don't feel like that's like a whole island situation, like a prison island situation. Maybe it is. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, oh, that Stone Cold movie was sort of a running man. Um, God damn it. You're the resident expert. The, the Condemned? condemned. Yeah, okay. there it is. <laughs> I was just about to say, you're the resident expert. <laughs> and then you pulled it out, baby. Um, yeah, no, I I think I like the Stuart Wilson performance more than you did. <laughs> His performance is fine. I just... It was the right amount of over-the-top Yeah, I just kind of sigh when Stuart Wilson shows up, because I'm like, boy, he got cast in a lot of stuff, and I don't totally know why. He kind of had, like, a murderer's row of playing murderers yeah. for a while, because <laughs> it was, like, uh, he was the Lethal Weapon 3 bad right. guy, he was Ninja Turtles 3 bad guy, he was No Escape bad guy. Yeah. Um, and then he worked with the director of No Escape, Martin Campbell, multiple times after this. I think he was... Became one of his guys, was, I like, guess. Vertical He's in limits. Vertical Limits. And there was one other one, too. Uh, Zorro. Or... Yeah, he's the fucking bad guy in Zorro, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't totally get it with him. I mean, he's fine, I whatever, just like but... it because he seems like the passive-aggressive asshole who owned, like, a baseball card store in, like... <laughs> the 1990s where he's just like you gotta buy that then stop <laughs> stop fingering those packs of cards <laughs> um no escape maybe a little too long because it runs almost two hours maybe okay and i didn't totally love the i can't think of the word i'm looking for the um redemption of Ray Liotta's character mm. via the monologue near the end of the movie. Okay. Um, it's totally fine. It just feels like the kind of thing that's put in there to satisfy a movie star. Okay. I think they could have just left him some unknown badass for the entire movie, and sure. I would have been super happy with that. Yeah. That first guy he kills when he just chucks the thing into his chest. That's great. Also, it's like holy fucking shit. This yeah. movie rules. I really like that. I really like the scene where he throws like a spear or something, and it goes through two guys' necks yes. at the same time, and they both are like gurgling to death in different ways. <laughs> Brutal like, action in this movie. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, I really like. I'm every movie should have like a giant tree trunk with spikes swinging at you. <laughs> Even Stuart Wilson, spoilers for No Escape, like yeah. falls off the thing and you know he's going to land on one of these stakes, but the way that it happens, you're just like, God damn. Yeah, that is... that's a 90s good time for impalement. In yes. Um, 94, The Crow hit another t- Hall of call, Fame impalement. I'm dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All her pain just for you. Ah, fuck. Um, anyways, uh, yeah. Um, I think your maybe semi-allergy with Stuart Wilson is my semi-allergy with Michael Lerner. Sure. And I don't get the final shot of this movie. No, it's insane. Just the, <laughs> like, the warden's on his way. Like, yeah. why in a million years would the warden come to this island? Well, not only that, it's just like it ends in this like heroic thing. Right, where they, it's, steal, like, his they steal his helicopter. And then... You know, like they're flying away and everything like that, and like that's the end of your movie, basically. Right. Like right. you could have put like the Michael Lerner and then like the Ian McNeese, who I only know his name because I watched Ace Ventura when Nature Calls a lot. 
Um, oh, that's that guy's name. Yeah, okay. Um, like they're they're getting closed in by the prisoners on right, the island right. and everything like that. But like that, you could have put it there. It felt like the ending of like the Green Inferno, where it's like <laughs> the dude like on like a GPS and stuff. And I'm just like, what? Are we, what I is forgot this about how shitty shot? the ending of the Green Inferno was. Yeah. Where they're just like, he's still alive. Yeah, again, like Dolores Claiborne, like falls apart yeah. a little bit at the end, but yeah. it's so satisfying for so much of the movie. And I think I texted you like a half joke that I was like watching No Escape, this semi-generic movie from 1994 yeah. in 2022 is like watching a fucking Michael Curtiz movie. Like it's just yeah. so professionally done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a little bit of that with Ghost in the Darkness. Maybe a little bit less, but I think there's a lot of curtis in Ghost in the Darkness. There's a lot to be said, too, about just shooting on locations. Absolutely. And that's something that we've gotten way too far away from in modern movies, which is, it completely robs your movie of atmosphere. Even the and trailer like, for that new Indiana Jones, I see all this green screen and I'm just like, yes, I, yeah. I don't, I can't get excited about that. No, I mean like, I'm only going to see it because I like Harrison Ford and sure. I'll take any excuse to watch a Harrison Ford movie, but like, I don't need to see another Indiana Jones movie if it looks like that. Right. Like, that looks like Crystal Skull special That's, effects. Everybody like complained about that shit in Crystal Skull yeah, and we're just right back to now. it. Yeah, I mean, go figure, you know, whatever you're happy with fine but like sure. i i don't get it um but yeah no no escape is fun and yeah. i just miss like these down and dirty action movies and i love that there's so many of them that were just being made at the time mm-hmm. that like there was space left over for ray liotta to get one like right right, right, like, right. i mean this could have easily been any of the major action guys like being in this movie 100 percent, and there was just such a bounty of them at the time where it was just like, yeah, really? Oh, you want this one? So, yeah. <laughs> and I like Martin Campbell when he's like dialed in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the bond movies, I, I don't, I don't want to say they ruined him, but like they elevated him to this sort of level of prestige director. So then he starts doing like beyond borders. Oh Yeah. Is that the Patricia Arquette movie? No. That's, that's Beyond, Beyond Rangoon. Rangoon. Yeah. Beyond Borders is Angelina Jolie and mm-hmm. Clive Owen. Oh, okay. Yeah. Where they're like working for UNICEF and like making sex eyes at each other. Yeah. It's a really bad movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Anytime you said like, you say like, all right, we've got this movie. There's a budget of more than $15 million. Clive Owens in the cast. It's just like, oh, we're taking a bath on this one, aren't we? It's like, it's like we probably shouldn't make this. Uh, but he does do, right in a row, No Escape, Goldeneye, and Mask of Zorro. I it's think that's his run. run. Yeah, Because yeah, everything else kind of leaves me cold, to be honest. But this is another three. thing where I'm just like, I'm a Joe Carnahan fan, and then right. I look back at it, and I'm just like, I like two of his movies, really. And then here I'm just like, I don't know if I'm a Martin Campbell fan, and I yeah. look back on it, I'm like, I like five of these. So right. I don't know, yeah. Because then he does Beyond Borders, Legend of Zorro, which I haven't even seen. I heard it's really bad. Yeah. It's like they'd like put a kid in a sequel. Exactly. It's, it's like that... the Mummy Resigns of Zorro movies. <laughs> I'll be in your Zorro movie, Martin Campbell. <laughs> we got to get off this island, Ray Liotta. <laughs> <laughs> it's me, Johnny Drama. 
I'm going to go sneak into Merrick's quarters and get the distributor that we need for the boat that looks oh like it was made out of fucking Sega CD leftovers. What a weird premise for a movie. Um, And then he bounces back with Casino Royale. Incredible. But then it's Edge of Darkness, Green Lantern, The mm-hmm. Foreigner, which I never saw. Yeah, I saw that on vacation in Hawaii. The Protégé, which like is fine. Oh, yeah, he did the, the Maggie Q movie. I forgot what that was for a second. And he's got a Liam Neeson movie this year called Memory. Oh, yeah, that came out. I think Rob watched it. Okay. Yeah, I lost track of Liam Neeson movies. I did too. A while yeah, ago. I don't even know like which ones are Netflix and which ones are theatrical. Right. I assume like they're that. all yeah. at the Red Box. I refuse yeah. to learn their names yeah. or when they come out. But, I mean, he's. he The, the problem with those movies usually isn't his direction sure it's just like this movie's lame right it's just not something that seems interesting like right. edge of darkness or something like that That movie's bad are you yeah. a are you a vertical limit fan i don't remember i need to rewatch it because i remember watching it once yeah. on cable and being like this movie's fucking nuts yeah <laughs> like the performances are pitched to such a degree everything about it is wild yeah i I watched it for 2K Replay. I kind of remember you writing like, about it. Two, like, this is probably two years ago. It was a point. 2000 movie. So, yeah, so yeah. it was like two years ago, and I don't remember what I thought of it. I know that well, when it I was saw COVID. it in theaters... I know when I saw it in theaters, I thought it was like, eh. Um, okay. But maybe I kind of warmed to it. I don't know. The Blu-ray is $24. I refuse to pay $24 for Vertical Limit on Blu-ray. There's no other movie on there? There is an $18 double feature Blu-ray, but it comes with stealth. And I don't know how to throw away half a Blu-ray. Carefully. Um, (laughs) Vertical Limit rented well. I remember that. Well, sure. Chris O'Donnell and Robin Tunney. Are you kidding? Yeah. We had people... People were so excited about Vertical Limit. They were, like, putting... uh, They were... What This joke fell apart. (laughs) I I watched it fall apart in real time. (laughs) Yeah. No. You... (laughs) People were repelling off the shelves. Nice. Thank you. I was trying to do a philism. Uh, <laughs> damn it. I was trying to think of the name of the thing. Carabiner. Nope. Carabiner's the thing that you, like, when you're... That's like, what that's called? Like, to secure called? your The thing that breaks stuff. in cliffhanger? Yeah. Okay. It's a carabiner. Got it. Um, but that, uh, I kept thinking it was called, like, a bangalier, and I'm just like, <laughs> it's not a bangalier. I'm like, is a bangalier even anything, or am I just thinking of a langalier? Let's like, start calling it a bangalier. Yeah. No, oh, no, no, my bangalier broke. <laughs> Help me out, sly. I think No Escape is a five-alarm bangalier, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Uh, I, I just, I was so excited to be watching a movie that was like yeah. so professional, mm-hmm. so competent, really great action, excellent violence, mm-hmm. like, and Ray Liotta at the center, which didn't yeah. happen very often. For me, he's no. mostly yeah. a character actor. Obviously, Goodfellas tells a different story, but like, he's one of the all time great character actors. To see him get to play an action lead was a lot of fun. Exactly, yeah. Uh, so then we watched trailers. Yes. For some other 90s Gale and Heard joints. Mm-hmm. Armageddon. Yes. Recently heard on our Patreon show. Good show. Um, better trailer than movie. Probably. Yeah. yeah. The, the trailer was just like. Trailer sells a masterpiece. I'm like, I need to watch yeah. Armageddon again. And I'm <laughs> yeah. like, no, I don't. The trailer sells a really good movie. Yeah. Uh, the Relic. 
which we are kind of split on, I think. Yeah, it would be 50% better for me if it just wasn't Peter Himes doing the photography sure. and the lighting and yeah. things like that. So, I get it. Yeah. Uh, but again, fun trailer and just a memory of like, oh, Tom Sizemore and Penelope Ann Miller could open a movie? Cool. Mm-hmm. Did that, the museum in that, is that the Field Museum? I can't remember if they call it the Field Museum, okay. but it's definitely the Field Museum. That's where the lions are from the Ghost in the Darkness. Bro. We should take a field trip and go yeah. see those motherfuckers and stare them in their eyes. <laughs> the yeah. day I saw the relic? Yeah. Same day I saw Michael starring John Travolta. Okay. Same day I heard Against All Odds on the movie tunes and broke down sobbing. <laughs> Why so. did you wait till January to see Michael? How did you not uh, get on that Christmas day? Yeah, I just I hadn't gotten around to it yet. I remember like this was sort of I was a Travolta fan at the time, like definitely after Pulp Fiction and Get Shorty and everything. And I remember my dad taking my sister and I to see Michael in theaters and we were just like, anything other than Michael, please. God, please. Anything other than Michael. And we watched it. I'm just like, what the fuck is this movie? Let me go. I think the other two movies I saw that day were The Crucible and Turbulence. Starring No Escapes, Ray Liotta. How is Turbulence? Is it fun? I haven't seen it since 1997, but I remember being semi-entertained by it. I remember the trailer had the song More Human Than Human. For real? Yeah, and I didn't know for the longest time that he was saying More Human Than Human. And I thought he was saying, Ma, give me that you give me. (laughs) Huh. Yeah. Yeah. That's a real (laughs) bangle He tried the new hit single, Ma, give me that you give me. No Escape is a five-alarm bengalier <laughs> that'll have you chewing on your mittens. <laughs> I love, uh, I just love fucking critics' quotes like that. Oh, boy. Just, like, oh, there's no boy. hyperbole, like, hyperbole. <laughs> hyperbole. Like, like 90s hyperbole. Uh, trailer for Raising Cain. Yeah. Which made me want to rewatch every De Palma movie. Sure. Yeah. And then Terminator 2, which is yeah. a trailer that is like, branded in my brain i watched it oh, so yeah. many times as a kid not yeah. just the movie but the trailer i just like, love the so- the sound of like the steel clamp right it's like terminator 2 boop <laughs> it's like so edifying this time he's back yeah for good yeah trust me do you think all right i got a question for you about the terminator 2 trailer yeah do you think the movie would have benefited by not giving away yeah. that he was the good Terminator? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I think so too. I, I was too young to really even like really have an opinion about it at the Me time. Me too. But, and I never saw the first Terminator before he saw T2. Okay. So I was always just like, he was bad once. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> what a choice. Yeah. It's like that kid Travis on the playground. <laughs> I thought he was a villain. Now he's my best friend. Really, really weird. And I have to teach him how to like be a human. Reminds me of that movie Flipped. Yeah. <laughs> Produced Flipped. by Castle Rock. Flipped is Flipped is uh, pretty good. No, it's not. So Gail and Heard rules. Yes, yeah, and uh, in '97 she produces The Ghost in the Darkness. '96. '96 is what I meant to say. Yeah. My apologies. It's okay. Uh, a Stephen Hopkins joint. Mm-hmm. This one you had seen before? Yeah, I okay. saw it once on video. Okay. And uh, how was this revisit? I really liked it. Okay. This um, was the second one behind. This was right behind Zero Effect. For okay, me. interesting. I, I, um, I think it's got problems. Yeah. But the jawsiness of it okay. helped. I think there's a lot of like 
one for ones of characters and situations in Jaws to the Ghost sure, of the Darkness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I am completely confused by the Michael Douglas death in that movie because that is supposed <sighs> to be your like quint death, and it's just basically like I don't know, the grass is red. <laughs> I mean, the character needs to die. Totally. And he's the, he's fictional, because the guy that Val right. Kilmer's playing really killed both lions. Okay. Yeah. Um, weirdly, I just saw this movie for the first time mm-hmm. when I wrote a Stephen Hopkins piece a year or two ago. Okay. And I came away from the movie remembering that Michael Douglas lived and being like, huh, weird choice. Yeah. I would have assumed they would have killed him. Mm-hmm. And so watching it this time, I'm like, oh, fuck, he dies in this movie? Well, it's so, like, just kind of... I thought he just left sauce. the movie yeah, it's, it, it <laughs> I saw it the weird. first time. Yeah, it is weird. Yeah. Um, he's... I think he's miscast. He is miscast. He, like Christian Slater in Murder in the First, is way too modern. Yes, he's uh, incapable of playing um, a period part, I think. Also, it's just interesting to see the two acting styles next to each other of Kilmer who can do so much with so little. Yeah. And Douglas, who I'm a huge fan of, I just think that like he's a very performative actor. Like that's how he, he he'll get there, but like he's gonna show you how he gets there. <laughs> and Kilmer is just like you could put the camera on him and like you get everything that you'll ever need sure. to know about this person by just like the way he looks at something. Um I had this weird... Do you ever have it where, like, you're watching a movie and there's an unimportant detail or tangent, but it's just, like, you just become fixated on it? for sure. I had that with, like, Emily Mortimer in this. (laughs) So you enjoyed seeing her mauled by lions (laughs) in the dream sequence? No, not that. (laughs) I I was worried about her avian bones. (laughs) So I... I think Emily Mortimer is a... Mortimer I want Mortimer. I... (laughs) Uh, I want her to be my amour. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I just have a thing for her. So like, I like Emily Mortimer a lot. Sure. So, um, uh, but like when she gets mauled by the lion, I was just, the, I thought like, because Africa lions, I was right. thinking like, and they were saying like, when you get your baby, hold him up high right. and stuff. So I thought Simba and right. the Lion King yeah. and everything with Rafiki, I got on this weird like Disney World tangent and I kept thinking to myself I'm just like Emily Mortimer would so be the right person where it's like you get engaged and you're both wearing like the, the his and her Mickey Mouse ears mm. and you're wearing like the turquoise shirt that says I'm with Goofy and it's like no I'm with Goofy <laughs> and then it's just like you know it just means the fucking world to her to be at Magic Kingdom and you're like splitting a Sunday and shit like that. Her shirt should say I'm with Goofy and yours should say I'm with Emily Mortimer. Yeah exactly. Um, so yeah really distracting (laughs) (laughs) she only has like three scenes and in one of them she's mauled by lions yeah i don't know but it is a dream those of you who haven't seen the movie a nightmare a nightmare (laughs) sorry i meant to say nightmare it's a nightmare um but no i liked i liked a lot of the um like just because i as i mentioned like the jaws kind of setup of it where like Val Kilmer is basically Brody and Tom Wilkinson right. is like, you know, Murray Hamilton and stuff like twirling that. Twirling his mustache. Twir- totally twirling his mustache and stuff. Um, but yeah, Stephen Hopkins just can like, for me, I don't know. I think this, I don't think it's as good as Judgment Night or as good as Predator 2. Yeah. 
it's as good as Nightmare Five for me. Like, I, sure, I think yeah, it's, I would agree with that. I, he just is. And the thing that drives me crazy about it is if I ever read anything about Stephen Hopkins, he's just like, he's like, I didn't know what I was doing on that one. Or this yeah, one got away from me. He like puts himself down. I'm just like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, these are great. He's just like, Judgment Night is just like a comprehensive failure. And I'm just like, what movie are you watching? So what, so. Do, are there any movies of his that he like holds in high regard? I don't even know. Um, he had said that like he had this weird relationship with like violence in American cinema where he thought that like he wanted to portray it more seriously um, and not as kind of commercially okay. and disposably as, okay. as it is for action movies, but that he realized that like, you know, that's what they wanted right. and stuff. Right. So he had some kind of like a weird relationship hmm. to that. Um, but no, I mean like, that's another thing. Like the ghost of the darkness is a programmer. It's like this yes. paramount movie to fill a slot in October of 96. Right. And compared to today, it looks like an epic yes, of size and scope of size and scope <laughs> on the same level as Lawrence of Arabia. Yes. I again, mean, real just, locations, yeah. real fucking lions and it's movie just like stars. a good story. Well told. Yes. Yeah. Professionalism. That's like the theme yeah. of most of these movies. Yeah. I think zero effect is a little bit of an outlier in terms. Of, I mean, it's very professionally made. It's got an indie, yeah. It, it's not like the as big of a production. Yeah. Right, but yeah. it's not this sort of for hire studio thing yeah. that these other three movies are, but they're like all so well made yep. by talented filmmakers. Mm-hmm. And uh again, except for a couple of like sort of like stroby slow motion shots that yeah. I don't love. The lion attacks are a little oddly handled. I think that's where most of the shots that I'm talking about are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and being a little off with the Michael Douglas performance or casting of Michael Douglas. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think this movie's so rock solid. Yeah, and I also had to pause the movie a couple of times just to like read the history of this you know ordeal with these two like man eaters and stuff and it's really just like an interesting story that like fits it deserves its own movie and it's just like yeah you you basically have half of your work done already i don't understand like i know michael douglas was the producer on this and by accounts that i read stephen hopkins and him like did not get along and like this is more, the final product is more of a Michael Douglas edit than a Stephen Hopkins edit. Hopkins wanted it to be longer, and um, Douglas wanted to kind of take over the movie a little bit mm. more and stuff. And um, I do agree that like he does take over the movie in his. He's in it about an hour. He yeah. shows up like forty five minutes in, and then he leaves about like twenty minutes before the movie ends. <laughs> sort of. Uh, sort of. He kind of wanders <laughs> off. Leaving blood in the grass to announce that he took off the ghost um, in the blood grass. Exactly, <laughs> stay out of the blood grass. Um, hey guys, I hear you need some blood grass. <laughs> I'm here to paint the grass red. Uh, I'm here on the set of noon on the blood grass. <laughs> uh, I'll be over here at the craft service table. Uh, Me and Machine Gun Kelly. <laughs> I'm going to be eating some Ritz crackers with Machine Gun Kelly. We're going to send this back to Stephen Summers. <laughs> uh, you have a dot matrix printer, huh? That's pretty neat. Uh, 
<laughs> so, uh, I'll help you build this bridge. <laughs> we don't have the numbers, but I got some moxies to spare. Um, so, the, uh, one thing that I think was a misstep in the Ghost of the Darkness, and, like, this is just me playing, like, you know, Monday morning quarterback mm-hmm. on being, like, a director or screenwriter of this movie, which, you know, obviously I would do a better job than Stephen <laughs> Hopkins and William Goldman. Um, the whole point of the movie is just, like, these aren't real lions. These are, like, serial killer lions. Right, right, right. Wouldn't it have been better of Douglas coming in, there's all this pomp and circumstance. He's this great white hunter and everything like that. If he it, he's a fictional character, so right. you could do whatever you want with right. him. Have him die like right away, where it's just like Seagal that shit. Yeah, he's supposed to come in. Right. He's gonna save the day. Right. He's gonna like help Val Kilmer, and then just immediately it's just like, yeah. no, you're double fucked now. Right. right. I think the movie would have benefited from that. I agree with you 100. percent And obviously, the reason it doesn't happen is because this is a Michael Douglas production. Yeah. Uh, so he's got to have a movie star part, yeah. and uh, so it doesn't go down that way. But I agree with you that that would have mm-hmm. raised the stakes quite a bit. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a good movie, and it makes me want to take Emily Mortimer to Disney World. <laughs> I wanted to reread the, the William Goldman book that we were just talking about last week. Uh, which lie did I tell? Mm-hmm. I think he does a chapter about the Ghost in the Darkness as well that I meant yeah. to reread, and I I need to go back to, to the so. um, Val Kilmer autobiography and see okay. if he has anything in there about Ghost in the Darkness. Yeah, I want to know if he got along with Hopkins. From what I read... Hopkins at least loved Kilmer. Okay. And, like, he said that he was, like, super professional, even though he was going through the divorce from Joanne Wally yeah, at the a, time. This was a difficult time and for And he was Kilmer. coming off of Dr. Moreau. Yeah. And, like, Kilmer was, like, basically, like, in a bad spot in his personal life, but he said that it never affected his work. And okay. that he was, like, super professional and good. Nice. So And then That's all of his problems that he was having was with Michael Douglas. Where he's just, like... So Stephen, uh, thinking I should fuck these lions, <laughs> and he's just like, I don't think it needs it. He's like, what if it's real sweet? Like, it's like, no. Why are you quoting Riddick? <laughs> Michael Douglas definitely fucked those lions. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I don't think it's more like he can't help himself. He fucked the lions. It's more like the lions were like, we should probably fuck this. <laughs> Heat seeker on set. <laughs> Did you watch these two together? Uh, sort of, yeah. Okay. So, like, Dolores Claiborne, I watched like half on Thursday, finished it on Friday. Zero effect, I watched like 30 minutes at like midnight Friday, <laughs> oh finished gosh. it Saturday morning. Okay. No escape, 30 minutes Saturday <laughs> afternoon, took a nap for two hours, woke up, finished it, and then I watched Ghost in the Darkness Straight because that's just this is a hot movie. <laughs> So did No Escape and Ghost in the Darkness play well together? I think as a double feature, yeah. they played better. I agree than, with that. Uh, Dolores Claiborne and Zero Effect, and it Dolores Claiborne and Zero Effect didn't play oddly together, which you would suspect it might yeah. because one's a heavy drama and one's right like a mystery uh, comedy. But um, it just felt like it took more out of me, I guess. Understandable. Uh, whereas. No escape in the Ghost of the Darkness. You have no emotional draining whatsoever. <laughs> right. It's just more for like thrills and chills, right. as AMC would say. <laughs> <laughs> They're both like set in the jungle. Yep. Gale and Herds 
competent hand yep. guiding them both. Mm-hmm. Except when she denied us lion fucking with right? Michael Douglas. Definitely a deleted scene. Where <laughs> <laughs> he fucks those lions. Yes. He's like, not at once. You're watching. <laughs> Well, this was fun. We should make this an annual tradition. I'm going to name my kidney stones the ghost in the darkness. Because <laughs> <laughs> last time there was Emma Stone, Oliver Stone, and uh, Sharon Stone. Okay. Now it's the ghost, the in, ghost the in the darkness. The ghost in the darkness, I like. Yeah. Don't get kidney stones, everybody. No. Try and fun. avoid it if possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for doing this with me. You're welcome. No, this was great. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I love doing this column. It's so much fun. Yeah. And uh, it's so interesting when we actually sit down and like, right. watch these right. and see like how they play together yeah i because i would have said that these are the two movies that i like less mm-hmm. on their own mm-hmm. but they play much better as a double feature i think okay so you would go zero effect dolores claiborne ghost in the darkness no escape i mean probably okay but that implies that like no escape is the fourth best movie and it's awesome so yeah. I think, yeah, I like all of these. Yeah. I would go, favorite is Zero Effect, then Ghost in the Darkness, then No Escape, then Dolores Claiborne. Sure. But it's like, Dolores Claiborne is like a very solid three star out of four. Absolutely. For me. So yeah. like, it's like what am I complaining about? Right. And like, Zero Effect is like five out of four, and Ghost in the Darkness <laughs> is like four and a half out of four. Uh, you're coming back two more times this month is that okay yeah of course holiday show coming up yes and the patreon show on avatar the way of water yeah i think we'll have to do the avatar show first okay because i need to wait until december 19th i think to record the holiday show or december 20th yeah whatever works for you because hanukkah arrive premieres oh, on shit. december 18th we're cutting it close and i would i i'm I would be beside myself if I didn't <laughs> get to talk about Hanukkah and Rai before the holiday show. So our holiday show, we're going to record either the ni- record either the 19th or the 20th. Yeah. We could probably do Avatar earlier. It'll come out the 21st. Yeah. Okay. The holiday show's out the 21st. Yeah. So we're fine. It's still coming out before mm-hmm. Christmas. Yeah. Okay. Totally. Yeah. That's First what I want to double check. is Hanukkah and Rai night. Well, it just makes sense. It does, that yeah. Gonna I'm going to go see my family. Way, right? gonna, I'm going to force them to watch it with me. Okay, so then we should yeah. aim to record. I'm glad you guys are listening to this. We'll aim to record on the People 20th. People like this stuff. <laughs> do they? They do. I know Like when I'm listening to like Blank Check Patreon and they're just like ordering lunch and like planning shit out, I'm just like, I like this stuff. <laughs> so we'll record on the 20th for the show that comes out the 21st. Yeah. I love the holiday show. It's so much fun. Yeah. I I have to think of um, so okay. I put a lot of pressure on myself to come up with like the song. Oh right! But now I'm putting more pressure on myself to come up with the who do I wish happy holidays to at the end. <laughs> I know it's always going to be John Gotti, right? Um, but the then, king of holidays. But this year, unlike other years, I'm just like I don't remember what like the funny bits were from our episodes. <laughs> so like I have to like I listen to like the entire episode and then I'll like text myself and I'm just like clown spawn and I'm just like okay I gotta remember clown spawn or I gotta remember like poised Connolly and I'm just like gotta remember <laughs> she poised is Connelly. poised yeah yeah so poised Susie Colonel Susie Kurtz <laughs> Colonel Susie Kurtz. <laughs> Yeah, um, Disney World, Emily Moore. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like I would get. There should be a movie 
where it's like me and Emily Mortimer at Disney I mean, World. One, please. But then, like, I just kind of turn my head for a second, and then I catch, I, I make eye contact with Jennifer Connelly, like, just at standing outside Country Bear Jamboree. Interesting. And I'm just like, she's a voice. I'm so distracted. <laughs> and you turn back, and Emily Mortimer is mauled by two lions. <laughs> yeah. And they just, like, I'm just like, I told her not to buy that turkey leg. She would have trapped them. <laughs> I've never uh, attended, I would say ridden, but I think it's attended the Country Bears. It's um okay. Is it? It's just like a Chuck E. Cheese show, right? Like kinda. It's better than the Enchanted Tiki Room, which I've been to and is pretty racist. Is it? I don't yeah. remember that. Every okay. bird is like a caricature of an ethnicity. Do you think that's why they have the um what you would call it right outside the Dole Whips right outside? Oh, for sure. They're just like I am so upset that to is pacify racist. everyone. <laughs> you yeah, exactly. And you're, you're just, just like I'll sit down for a second. <laughs> Um, honest to blog, it's racist. Um, <laughs> the, the, yeah, the Enchanted Tiki Room is not as good as Country Bear Jamboree. Okay. I think Country Bear Jamboree is probably... Fuck, I have the other one in my head, but I can't remember what it is. Oh, it's like Muppets 3D, basically, where it's a little funnier. Okay. It's not anything like... like it's like I want to get out of the sun and go into your Yeah, condition. right. It's not like something I like Muppets 3D. Mm -hmm. But we skipped it last time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. I remember like when there used to be like the fast pass system mm -hmm. with like the tier two, one, tier two, tier three and stuff like that. Oh, I don't even think I was ever there for that. It used to be like you would get like one tier one and then like two tier twos and then it was like three tier threes or something like that. Okay. And like the tier threes were always like stuff you didn't need. Yeah, to right, have, like, a fast right. Pass it was always just like, I don't know, Pixar shorts. And I'm just <laughs> like, I guess I'll reserve a spot for Pixar shorts. And then like you go in there and it's just like, what the fuck are you doing? Just go right. in there. Right. Yeah. You don't need a fast pass. Muppets 3D was another one where it's just like, yeah, it's tier two. And I'm just like, I can walk in. And, For sure. Yeah, I could That's take a, a huge theater. It's like, I could take a Muppet and you wouldn't <laughs> care. I do miss the Muppet gift shop. I don't remember the Muppet gift shop. There was a whole gift shop when you came out of it and it was all Muppet themed. Okay. And it lasted up through maybe Muppets Most Wanted and then they closed it. Mm hmm. The movie should have done better. I agree. It's it was funny. funny. Yeah. It is funny. It is funny. Um... And I still have never eaten at Pizza Rizzo. I don't think I've eaten there either. Yeah. Yeah. So it's my, how... It's my white whale. Okay. So what What was the highlights ride-wise when you went this time? Guardians was fun. Okay. Avatar. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, I mean, kind of the, all the old standbys. The only new two, like, new rides I really did were... Well, I did Slinky Dog, and I did mm -hmm. Guardians, and I did Ratatouille. Okay. Guardians yeah. was the best of the three. Okay. Yeah. Did they change Snow White's or uh, Seven oh, Dwarfs' mine train to Stephen Dorff's mine train? Yeah. <laughs> so right. it's keep waiting. A lot of cigarette smoke now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it ends with all the dwarves saying, So fucking what? When he was at Days of the Dead, I didn't go this year, but I still wanted to be like, this isn't quite the Chateau Marmont, is it? <laughs> I follow you around and we'll make somewhere too at the Crown Plaza. <laughs> I miss Days of the Dead being in my town. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not that I was going to go. <laughs> I was going to say, it's like pretty close. It's not too far. <laughs> it's like if the remote is on the couch and you're like, oh, it's oh. And you're like reaching out your arm. It's like, yeah. today I got T Rex arms. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Don't forget we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash F this movie. 
Go to fthismovie.com every day for more fun content like this two-hour epic. Mm -hmm. And uh, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, follow us on YouTube at youtube.com slash fthismovie for reserved seating every Thursday. Mm -hmm. It's Ben Affleck month. Done uh, with now? One more. That's we what I thought. Forces of yeah. nature. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I yeah, it's gonna be like <laughs> mostly me and Rob and Rosalie talking about like, was your transfer as bad as mine? Because I told Rob I was just like, was your copy as bad as mine? Because I watched mine on Stars HD. Yeah. And it looked like I was watching Minority Report on VHS underwater. <laughs> I'm just like, what is this aesthetic? I remember it not being a great looking movie, but I still just have my standard deaf DVD. Yeah. That's probably like as good as it'll get. Yeah, the way it looks. Yeah. Rank the Hugheses, John and Bronwyn. <laughs> Who's Bronwyn's the director of Forces of Nature? Yeah, is that the only thing he directed? It's a she, I believe. Oh, excuse me. No, <laughs> uh, maybe Harriet the Spy. That's what we call a trap, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Val Kilmer did with the Lions. I want to say she directed Harriet the Spy, but hold on. Mm -hmm. She does a lot of TV. Oh, she did Stander, starring your boy. Oh, Thomas Jane. You know it. Okay. Um, she works with all my favorite people. Michelle Trachtenberg and Thomas Jane. Show me her fucking filmography, you sons of bitches. Yeah. Um, Harriet the Spy, Forces of Nature, Stander. So much TV. Okay. Like every show, every cable show. Got it. Of the last 20 years. I got that DreamWorks book. Maybe they'll talk about it in there. Maybe. I don't remember if there's any forces of nature gossip. I was so excited to see that movie. And I was real sick when I saw it. And I was so disappointed by it. Yeah. Sorry, Rosalie. Yeah. I think you like it. We'll see. Oh, we'll see. We'll record tomorrow. <laughs> um, yeah. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. for listening to FS Movie.